Happy birthday. Huh? What? You're, uh, thanks. You're a little late. Yeah, I'm very late. No, I'm, well, actually, I am a little late for this one, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we passed 52 episodes, which means we've been doing this thing for a year. Hell yeah. One year of communism piped <laughs> into your ears. Yeah, yeah. Feels pretty good, I gotta say. It's, uh, I don't know. I'm not always the best at following through on things. So. <laughs> yeah, me either. Pretty impressive, in my opinion, based on my own expectations of myself. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, me too, just because I, I have a lot of other stuff going on. And, you know, Gemini's like to start a lot of different projects. So, mm. yeah, it's been very hard being like, no, I can't like learn a 3D program right now. Like I got I already have enough going on, but it's cool. <laughs> if you are just tuning in for the first time. <laughs> Good news. There's a lot of content for you. Yeah, yeah, you have 52 episodes to go back and enjoy. We try to keep things, we don't do a lot of... Inside jokes. Yeah, well, inside jokes, but like, we have a few that are paired, you know, Mm -hmm, part mm -hmm. one, part two. And we have maybe a couple that sometimes will reference things that are current events. They're pretty good at like going back and listen to them. Yeah, there you go, evergreen. Yeah, you've clearly never worked in marketing. No. <laughs> That's a good nope. thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, wait. Have you heard of Thumb Stopper? I think I told you this one already. Oh, Thumb Stopper. Is that like, it's like you scro- you're scrolling? And... Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. The okay. So it's like eye catching, but Thumb Stopper. Yeah, it's really bad. I hate it. It's funny. It's the same principle. I mean, it's still catching your eye. That's why your thumb stopped it. Yeah. It's not like textured differently. <laughs> it grows. <laughs> Speaking of media, <laughs> we've we've got a lot yeah. of that to cover. Yes, we did a communist movie night. We eschewed our usual light fair or entertainment-based fair in general. I mean, like, I feel like we got into some meaty ones with uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Like, that was That's true. historical that content, you know? Yeah, I didn't realize this was our first documentary. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, wild. Took us a year. <laughs> but here we are going to be talking about the documentary film from 1992 called Manufacturing Consent. This is available on YouTube. If you just want to Google it, it's kind of long. For some reason, I thought it was not long. And I was like, oh, shit, this is three hours long. (laughs) Yeah, it is pretty long. It's by Mark Akbar and Peter Wintonic. A Canadian, right? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, enough of the film was done in Canada to get Film Board of Canada in the credits and stuff. So. They got whatever, whatever Canadian public money like helps out people yeah, doing stuff in Canada. <laughs> this is in 1992. It's based on the 1988 book of the same name by Noam Chomsky and Edward S. Herman. And its focus is the kind of life and ideas of Noam Chomsky. All right. So let's get into it. Who's this Noam guy? Noam Chomsky, professor. Uh, the film, I think, kind of does a pretty good job Mm -hmm. of doing a kind of summary of his bio, his kind of life's work slash history sort of thing through these little interspersed biographical kind of sections. Mm -hmm. Noam Chomsky was born and raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Cool. back during the Depression, the Great Depression in the United States. And he talks about in the film kind of like, 
how he his his background and stuff going to this progressive school, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Where he's like, yeah, man, there was like no competition. They didn't, you know, they weren't like, oh, these are the good students. These are the bad students. Like he had no idea he was a good student till he goes to like the normal high school. I thought that was cool. I love that. I was like, I would like to teach there and have kids go to school there. Like it was, it was described as this very free and open sort of arrangement. Yeah. That sounds lovely. Also, I didn't realize he was this old. I was like, damn, like. The dude is old. Yeah. He looks like Santa Claus now. Yeah. He's got a full on beard. In this documentary, he looks a lot like Bush one, like. Kyle and I were watching it together and we kept being like, is that? No, no, it's him again. (laughs) (laughs) He does. Super old, like went through a depression, which means also World War II and Vietnam. Mm -hmm. I'm like, damn, dude, you must be tired. (laughs) And he talks about how he was right. This dude was writing about opposing fascism when he was like 12. (laughs) I know. Writing about the Uh, Spanish Civil War. There's again, there it rears its head. I, I know. That's like our, <laughs> our guest on this podcast every week is the Spanish Civil War, accidentally. Yep. He talks about kind of his radicalization story, how he, growing up, would visit relatives, including this uncle with this kind of like anarchist newsstand situation, mm-hmm. uh, who's running this like working class political salon, in this newsstand in the street near the subway in uh, in New York. And it just sounds super cool. Like, I would love to go to this place. <laughs> yeah. I mean, first of all, he describes his uncle as a badass with a background in crime <laughs> and also getting into left-wing politics. I'm like, yeah, I would love to talk to this that guy sounds about amazing. anything. <laughs> uh, and plus, like, this newsstand idea just sounds great. It would be better maybe if, like, paired with, like, a food truck mm, kind of combo. I like that. Yeah, some like, benches, too. I, I need to sit. So, yeah, I can go get some tacos <laughs> and hang out and discuss communism and anarchism and stuff with Ugh, people. Sounds ideal. Let's open a newsstand. Yeah. <laughs> this is a terrible business no, venture, but yeah. it does sound cool. We'll make negative money. <laughs> uh, what else do they talk about his life? They, you know, then they kind of get into his acad- academic career. Yeah, this guy wrote like a fuck ton of books like they showed a stack at one point i don't know if that was even all of it i was like holy shit (laughs) so the crazy thing is that this guy like did a ton of work and does you know continue to do work in linguistics Mm -hmm. like this is primary field but he also does all these uh has done all these books and again continues uh to produce work in the realm of politics particularly foreign policy but also studies of the media which is what manufacturing consent is uh i'm looking up his birth chart it's so much <laughs> that he's but he's very prolific in that way. Ooh, a Sagittarius. Okay. What does that mean? I don't I only know one Sagittarius, so I don't have enough info. Is it Noam Chomsky? Yes, yeah, that's him. <laughs> um, interesting. His selected bibliography. He, okay, so he has a big enough bibliography to have a selected bibliography. <laughs> that which is means he's big. written a ton. It's three columns on Wikipedia, just the selected stuff. He's got a lot of Gemini in his charts, too. Just, it's not like one of his major ones, but like, it makes sense. (laughs) Okay, sorry. Why does it make sense? Because Geminis are into lots of different things. Mm, Okay. We can't like stay focused. (laughs) We can't. All right. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) I was reading the stars of the stars. There you go. (laughs) That's why listeners really 
tune in. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we should start doing that with all of our historical figures. Just like what was Che Guevara's uh, part? We gotta know. <laughs> that's yeah. That's what we should open with next time. Is a like when everyone we've gone back to mm-hmm. do a brief like star analysis. <laughs> we should. We should. And then going forward, we just incorporate that. I love this. I love it. <laughs> all right. Back to Nome. <laughs> back to Nome. His career focused initially on linguistics mm-hmm. that was his, that's what he you know did his phd on and he uh his whole thing to start out with was something called universal grammar okay so is this what they were talking about where they're like language is genetic or something not like you're born and you know spanish but like you're predisposed to pick up language very easily is that what correct saying? yeah yes that was his theory and continues to be his theory with some modifications. Mm-hmm. This kind of like tore apart or like caused a big fight, you know, mm-hmm. in the linguistics field called the linguistics wars. Ooh, gosh, starting shit everywhere. Yeah. Like <laughs> some of his, I don't know if they're former students or what, but they, you know, everyone started arguing about whether he was right or not. And I guess like overall as a field, linguistics has kind of said, mm, we're not so sure mm. if there's a lot of proof for universal grammar. They've kind of like, I don't know, moved on or there's, you know, the majority camp is not in his, on his side anymore. I guess I'm wondering like how, I mean, this isn't a a linguistic sidebar here, but like, (laughs) yeah, for sure. How basic does that go? Is it like, yeah, we all have nouns. Like, is that, is that good enough or does it have to be more specific? (laughs) He's saying that there's like a grammar, a skeleton to put specific words and stuff in. Mm, Okay. But like we have wired into our brain, because of a genetic mutation, we have a framework for building any language into that. So once we learn the rules, we can like intuitively mm-hmm. kind of put that together. That's cool. But and he, that's what he was talking to. Uh, he was on a Japanese show of some sort saying like, yeah, you know, if you take a kid from Boston and raise him in Japan, he's going to speak Japanese, vice versa. We are really good. And this is, you know, this part is true that we're like, and, and kind of proven that like pretty much the most complex thing your brain ever does is acquire its first language. For sure. Like you're just a language sponge. Yeah. Like imagine if we were as spongy, like going forward, we, that's the lip, the true limitless movie (laughs) baby brain. And so, yeah, apparently there's a lot of controversy in this. I don't want to get too into the weeds because I did do too much reading on that for just (laughs) no reason because it's interesting, but (laughs) that's what he was mainly about. They kind of ask him like, okay, so, well, you do all this linguistic stuff and like kind of what's the link? Like how does linguistics basically prove or link up with your mm-hmm. political views? And he's just like, I guess it doesn't. <laughs> I love that. I love these. Like I'm, I'm, I can be into two things. Don't fucking pigeonhole me. Right. Yeah. He's not, you know, trying to prove, and I guess we can get into this now, what his political views were. He's not trying to prove those through his academic research into linguistics or anything or vice versa. Uh, but yeah, let's get into his political activism. Yeah. He was this professor mm-hmm. and the Vietnam War started kicking off and he's just pretty much safely ensconced in academia. He's too old to be drafted anywhere. Mm-hmm. And even so, he sees this bullshit going on and he's like, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to say something about it. Do whatever I can do in my capacity as someone who people think people should hear from Mm -hmm. and like, you know, starts taking a public stand and and leading anti-war demonstrations and stuff like that. I really loved how he phrases that. Like he was just like, 
I'm very comfortable. Like I don't have to do this. Like it was a real decision. It was a real choice. And like, Mm -hmm. I relate to that super hard. Like it is so easy just to be caught up in comfort and just be like, yeah, I've got a job now. I've got a house now. Like everything's fine. Like I don't really, I personally don't have to worry about the world, but like, yeah, it does feel like a choice you make nearly every day of like, okay, I gotta keep giving a shit, and it's exhausting. <laughs> mm, I hear you, and I think that it is you know difficult to do something. I would say that we oh probably, yeah we don't do maybe, anything. Yeah, I was gonna say like you might be doing more on the side. I don't really know. No, but. no, I think for me it's a lot of emotional energy. Like my mm-hmm. my therapist says, I'm very empathetic and. I, I take on a lot of other people's shit, you know? I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm really sad right now because of, like, COVID and stuff like that. So, so like, even, like, tuning in, paying attention is still kind of, like, work. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. I can see that. I mean, hell, there's a lot of people that don't even do that. So, I mean, sure. Yeah, know. and that's what a lot of this movie is about, which is interesting. But, like, yeah, he definitely, like, made that conscious choice to be like, no, nah, I'm gonna go do shit. And I'm like, man, I probably should do shit. Yeah, I just don't want to be like weird. No, no, <laughs> no. I, I, I think... guess he's kind of doing the old school version of podcasting <laughs> is going around giving speeches. Uh, but he was also doing like actual research and work and stuff. So <laughs> Yeah, no, I guess I just mean that like it is kind of like a conscious choice to be like, I'm going to start seeing the world differently. And even that is a big leap. And sometimes it's That's very true. tempting just to be like, maybe I should just fucking tune out and just be a Get person it. again. Yeah. Maybe I should just see the world the way so many people see the world because it's fucking easy to do it's that. It's way like, easier. You're not, you're not pissed. You're not sad. You're not like, you know, everything's fucked. <laughs> you're, not, <laughs> you're not constantly thinking about the he- heat death of the planet. Like, that'd be cool. <laughs> that kind of gets into the main thesis, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Uh, to wrap up kind of the biography part, he gets involved and, you know starts kind of becoming this what he calls a public intellectual sort of is just more of a political activist. He ends up mm-hmm. being on Nixon's enemy list. <laughs> Love it. Good man. B- because he's, you know, cool. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> Everyone how you know. on there is cool. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, he's still like at university of Arizona mm. kind of part-time. He's very old. Like you said. Yeah, dude. But I mean, that's, that was his main like line of work the whole time was still being a professor. Yeah. And still doing political activism. The setup of this documentary, like probably 50% of it is him being interviewed by various media outlets or him giving speeches and talks. And they keep using this phrase over and over again, like he's one of the most preeminent intellectuals of our time. And I love that he's like, yeah, the back half of that quote says my book sucks, which is fucking great. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But do we even have public intellectuals now? Like I would never turn on the TV and see like, some nerd ass professor talking like i was i thought that was so interesting like this is just twitter now like right right yeah you somewhat still have that with like maybe columnists or ta-nehisi coats or something right or in a kind of neoliberal economic sense yeah paul krugman mm-hmm. you have who are some other examples of that i mean roxanne gay that's more of a cultural one but and yeah, there's kind more nowadays. More is like uh, popularizers. Like if you think mm-hmm. of like a science popularizer, like Neil deGrasse Tyson or somebody mm, like that. Yeah, like, that's not intellectual, really. That's so interesting to me. I was just thinking about that because, like, I mean, this whole thing is about how the media is changing, and like, uh, we'll get to this point later. But just the fact that 
to me at least, I couldn't think of a, a modern day intellectual. And this documentary is talking about how like the points we have to make are really concise now because we're just trying to get people's attention. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, that happened. <laughs> well, yeah, and now it's and it's gotten so bad it's evolved so much past that that like now you just say okay here's a speechwriter for one side here's a you know former aide to the other side yell at each other Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. like uh, cable news and cable news is bullshit but like on you know social media or whatever here's a here's a meme here's yeah here's a post here's a here's somebody getting slammed like yeah uh, you don't even have that (laughs) no and like i've i've taken like marketing not classes but like i don't know seminars or whatever okay yeah yeah it's it's a real trip uh <laughs> but Sounds like lovely the rules for like how long it, you want someone to be on your content are just getting shorter and shorter you're like yeah you want to stay there for like five seconds and you're like what the fuck can i say in five seconds like it really is just like you take in so much content every day that people are just trying to get you to look at it for a little bit well, yeah, I think there's somewhat of a shotgun approach to that, though. Like, that is, you know, the epitome of, like, let's, you know, <laughs> throw spaghetti at the wall, see what sticks. Like, yeah, let's pump it. Because you're just trying to get, like, anyone, you know? <laughs> Whereas we operate in kind of a more niche area where we're signing it, we're trying to get, find people who want to devote <laughs> an hour and a half or more to listening to something. You know, it's definitely a different medium. We don't, we're lucky to be spared that <laughs> yeah so let's get into the main thesis then cool would you like to kind of intro that or yeah i can summarize for the class okay so he basically thinks that the media in mm-hmm. conjunction with other capitalist forces namely like corporations who own them and like internalizing imperialist values of the united states mm-hmm is setting up what he calls thought control, which is a really fucking cool sci-fi term. Love it. Should be a song by like one of those like kind of new age 90s bands or something. Yeah, to me it sounds kind of like a Daft Punk song. Mm, that'd be good too. <laughs> so yeah, he he claims his thesis is that yeah, there's this whole system of media and it's really there to like distract the public and keep them happy. So that they can keep working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the gist of it. I th- also thought the terminology of thought control was an interesting one and it's provocative deliberately. Like mm-hmm. in, in one of the scenes he's talking on the radio show in Laramie, Wyoming. I mean, this seemed like a good radio show. So like maybe we have to reevaluate our no listener has tuned in yet. Right. And said like, actually Wyoming is good. I don't remember. I don't think so. We have an Iowa guy, but I don't know if we have a Wyoming. I was good. I was good. But Wyoming, we may have to revise. This was a pretty good radio show. So if it's still around, I know. Right. She was like, because at one point she says like, oh, it's fine. We went over, but that means less sports. And that's fine with me. (laughs) I didn't catch that. That's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, she says like, well, say you're Jane USA. Oh, and I love that. I'm like, I don't, uh, you know, I make my own choices. Like I'm free to make up my own mind. I don't, I'm not subject to thought control. Mm-hmm. Like I don't get it. What do you mean? And I think that's, it's, you know, that's a wonderful way to get people thinking like, hold on a second, Mac thought control. Like not yeah. me, you know, I'm smart. And then it's like, well, you are, 
you're totally smart. But there are people trying to deceive you every single minute of your life or every time you tune into something on the TV, on the radio, on your phone, whatever. Someone's always trying to sell you something. Someone's always trying to bamboozle you some way. And that's what we mean. It's not that we're calling people stupid or something. It, it, mm-hmm. it is just that, like, you're not being told all the information and there's a reason for that. Yes. Yeah. And what was interesting is in the documentary, they do a lot of, like, on the street interviews with people. And they're like, do you think the media is biased? And pretty much everyone is like, yeah, duh. Like, <laughs> they asked yes. this, like, group of, like, I think they're, like, teenagers, maybe. They look like young guys, like, in front of the White House. Like, do you think they tell you everything that goes on? And they're like, fuck no. Like, there's no way. But, yeah, like, people, and he makes a good point of this. And I, I think this is a strength of his when people call him out. And I think there was an interview with Bill Moyers on there where he's like, well, come on. It's a little bit like, you're an MIT guy. You're like mm-hmm. this professor and, like. You're over here talking about the common man and stuff. And he's just like, yeah, like common people are fucking intelligent yeah, and stuff. And he's not saying anything out of like, oh, you know, we got to fix this so that morons like aren't fooled. (laughs) He's saying like, you can figure this stuff out if you are insane and devote all of your time to it. Yeah. Yeah. But most people don't have that. And so we need to like, you know. This this can't be. This will fool so many people because we just don't have the time or energy to devote. So you know, time to like sleuthing out the details. I'm making a little connection here. I know he didn't want to, but between linguistics and this, because Ooh. the idea of language as like a constantly evolving thing, like I think we grew up kind of with the notion of like, no, there are grammar rules, you got to fucking do them. But like, if mm-hmm. you listen to modern programs on stuff like that now, they're like, no, like, like slang is valid, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so interesting that like, yeah, you're right. We grew up more of a prescriptive grammar model, which mm-hmm. is, this is how things are. Don't say ain't, you know, that's sort of mm-hmm. thing. Or don't end in a preposition. Yeah. And what's not in vogue, but what is more <laughs> like accepted now in the linguistic community is... You know, descriptive grammar. How do people actually talk? Yeah, know? yeah. It's all about dialects and shit. So, like, I don't know. I think there's kind of a thread there with, like, the common people thing of, like, no, they're not stupid. Just, like, we just want to make things better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. So, back to the kind of central thesis mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the media's kind of a concerted attempt at thought control. <laughs> I it's love kind of this. an interesting conspiracy theory because it's, like... It's not really a conspiracy. It's just like, it's people with the same interests. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Okay. This drove me crazy during the documentary. You constantly have these people. The Times guy. Um, The Times guy sucked so hard. Um, Also, his desk was so messy. It made me anxious just watching it. I was like, no, 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 no. That is, that's not okay. (laughs) It was really frustrating. They had these constant these people constantly defending the media being like, it's not like it's like a cabal of like people in a room twirling mustaches. I'm like, it doesn't have to be like, it's right. And he makes a point later. Like it's, it's internalized values. Like you grew up in this American loving system, this capitalist system, like you are going to defend it because that's what you know. Mm -hmm. And that's what you've been taught is correct. It's not like you have your, your evil friends on speed dial. It's just like you Mm -hmm. all share the same values. Yes. Yeah. And that's something that we've seen before. And we were, you know, Marx and Engels and stuff, they were like, yeah, capitalists are doing this and they don't have to be individually evil. 
Mm-hmm. They don't have to be in a you know smoke filled room saying today we do imperialism. You know, like, yeah. But they just do it out of self interest. It just you know knocks them in that direction, pulls them inexorably toward these you know effective cabals, if not actual ones. You know, it's about the impact versus intent, and it's like it doesn't fucking matter that they're not scheming. They're still doing fucked up shit. All right. So from thought control. He kind of starts talking about the standard view of the media in a democratic society. Mm-hmm. Right? Because everyone's rightfully like, come on, man, we're not being thought controlled here. Like, we're in a democratic society. You know, the press is there to help people figure out what's going on. And as he puts it, assert meaningful control over the democratic political process. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you talk to people, they're like, oh, we have freedom of press. We have freedom of speech. Like... We're free. Yeah, yeah. And and the campaign by a lot of kind of liberal minds is, oh, we need a brave press that will challenge, mm-hmm. you know, and, and tell the truth, and we need objectivity and blah, 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 right? Yeah. Because they are kind of subscribed to that standard view of this is the media's job. But Chomsky kind of says there's this contrary view of the media as kind of an indoctrination tool. Uh-huh. And he kind of roots it in this, he roots it really far back, actually, in the English Civil Wars. Oh, yeah, I forgot about the that. Documentary. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting how, because the English Civil Wars are traditionally just kind of, you know, I mean, they're just factions. You know, it's, it's Parliament versus the Royalists. Yeah. And... You think that. of it as just like, I don't know, kings and shit. Like, it was an old-timey rich people war. <laughs> Right. And there's so there's elements to that because there's this kind of bourgeois element of the parliament and stuff versus mm-hmm. the kind of more traditional or conservative element of the royalists. But you also had within that, and he kind of mentions this, these popular movements who were questioning authority, questioning hierarchy, like kind of anti both sides. Yeah. Way, you know, like, why can't we just fucking do things? Like, yeah. Cool, you know? And I like the quote that he had from one of them that was like, they have made the people thereby so curious and so arrogant that they will never find humility enough to submit to a civil rule. Oh, that is just perfectly encapsulates the goals and fears of capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. Let's make people not submit to civil rule. But yeah, this, this contrary view kind of sees democracy as a game for elites Mm -hmm. to be playing. The masses should not really be, directly involved in this yeah yeah and like you they go on to say you know you see this all over the place in the united states founding father's history like that's Mm -hmm. pretty well known (laughs) yes yeah and maybe lesser known this figure walter Lippmann that he mentions the one that the title manufacturing consent comes from oh yeah where he was saying unironically and is a good thing (laughs) basically his idea was that people are you know too stupid (laughs) to be doing democracy. They have to have the intelligent, you know, specialized class of people to tell them what's good for them. Yeah. And is this where they talk about like the societal goals? Like you got to have everyone on the same page, basically. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have this enlightened class of people to kind of guide people toward what's good for them in their common interest. Yeah. And he kind of gets into like, why you need this like that's definitely one part but Mm -hmm. he talks about how in a totalitarian 
uh, system, yes. it doesn't matter if you disagree because it's like, well, you're going to do it because you have a boot to your neck. Like, fuck you. Yeah. But in a democracy, you have to control what they think so they do what you want, basically. Yeah. And I think this is, it's interesting because this is almost him being somewhat kind of rosy eyed about it, in my opinion, because he's like very much character, like characterizing us as this democracy. And sometimes in, in the film and in his book, it kind of comes through that he does see America as having more freedoms than other places. He says that explicitly at one point. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like uh, maybe, but like some people do. Mm-hmm. I think our state, at least recently you've been able to see that. And in our, in past periods in our history, you're able to see that our state does not have mm-hmm. any problem also using force on its people. Yeah. Like you're free to an extent, like you're, you're free unless you're black and then you might get killed. Like, yeah, yes. it's it's yeah. a different scale. He kind of talks about that, that in terms of kind of setting the frame of like what's acceptable and what's not. Like mm-hmm. no one's going to send in the cops to fucking bust up heads at a rally to register voters anymore. Like, <laughs> Can you, know, you Or a rally to, uh, you know, petition the president to raise the minimum wage to Thirteen dollars, you know, like a, <laughs> yeah, some middling thing. There are some acceptable things you can do, and they're within the bounds of electoral politics. But as soon as you go out there and say, "Hey, we want to like democratize our workplaces, we're going to take mm-hmm. over stuff, we want to start doing direct action or a general strike or something," you're going to see that we do actually have the uh, you know the boot heel and the truncheon ready to go. Uh, you know, we're ready to deploy force, <laughs> and we're not just going to sit back and say, "Well, how can we convince these people through the media?" Like. And they're still going to use that, too. But. Yeah, it's it's not a simple one-way thing. I think, though, I think he, he kind of makes that point, though, when he talks about, like, the civil rights movement and, like, in the 30s, like, just kind of the mass movements that there were. Like, he was kind of giving people credit of, like, yeah, no, they do have the power to change things. It just, it does take a huge movement. Yeah. So it's kind of in the media's interest to keep down these mass movements, like, nicely. Okay, so those aren't contradictory. The media is trying to do, like, preventive work. And then you break out the heavy guns when you need to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's preventative and reactive. Yeah. But, yeah, he, he kind of says indoctrination is to democracy what force is to a dictatorship, basically. He also talks about the targets of propaganda, which I thought was interesting. Ooh. He kind of divided up into two groups, which I thought was juicy. Yes, yeah. He says the political class, like you have like intellectuals, teachers, professors, I would say like probably the media itself would be this too. Mm-hmm. You know, what you think of when you think of the intelli- what is it, intelligista? The intelligentsia? Yeah, I always fuck yeah. that up. <laughs> the professional managerial class, you'll also hear about them. Mm, yes. Those PMCs. And then you have regular people who follow orders. And he's like, that's like 80% of people, you know, just, just regular ass people. Yeah, and it's interesting that the goal was different for each of these. Like, you really need to sell, indoctrinate the 20% who are Mm -hmm. going to therefore go forth and spread the good news of (laughs) your system. And they're going to kind of manage the rest of the people. And, you know, they're your lieutenants. Yeah. You've got to get those guys. But the rest of them, you can sell them on it, sure. Or you can just get them to tune the fuck out. Yes. It's It was... So interesting how he talks about that. Like, yeah, you don't fucking have time to research. Like, you're just gonna, you're working eight hours a day. Like, you're, you're tired. Like, you've got other shit going on. Like, no one has time for this. Like, they show him in his office with like 
all like the papers he reads every day. He's just like, this is insane. Like no one should do this basically. Yeah. Yeah, he's just like, please don't become me. Like, don't, <laughs> yeah, don't this do is a this. problem. It's bad for you. <laughs> but like most most people don't. And like we've gotten this as a question before on like the podcast of like, where do I go for media? And I'm like, I don't fucking know, dude. Like that's a hard question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do very much like this documentary overall mm-hmm. as kind of an, an not an eye opener necessarily. I mean, sort of. It's sort of eye opening if you if you're new to it. Yeah. Started. But it does kind of give you some techniques or some skepticism, especially if you're still kind of like taking mainstream news sources yeah, as more or less objective fact. And I mean, I'm talking the ones that are trying to do it, quote unquote, down the line, like Associated yes. Press or something. I mean, like, but if you can start looking at those with a critical eye, then you can really start to get at like, okay, what are we trying to say about American empire here? You know? There's this hunger for objective facts and, you know, like we believe in signs, like those kinds of signs, you know, you Mm. see on people's yards and like, I get it on one level. I'm like, sure. I understand what you're trying to do, but like, it's like a surface level objective facts. Like I understand whenever you have people saying like fake news and shit, like that's annoying, but it's also annoying to be like, no, the New York times is the gospel. Like you can't, you can't do both of those things and, yeah. like, say you're obsessed with objective facts. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, we'll get into this a little bit more about ownership, but you know, at the time he's talking about, you know, oh, you've got these big arbiters of of the news or whatever, and he's talking about the Washington Post. That was not fucking straight up owned by Amazon <laughs> I know, when he I made know. this, I you know. I the same thing. And I was like, who owned it then? <laughs> he just had to, like, you know nearly die laughing when that happened oh (laughs) probably yeah they're not afraid anymore they just come out and say it yeah but i mean i understand that desire for it but i I think there's like almost a willing blindness of like well there has to be some truth so i'm gonna pick this one you're right somebody's telling the truth and like i am a devoted reader of the new york times pillory me if you want fine i know however that these guys are and i'll bother abby with this a lot sometimes (laughs) like Oh, okay. Here, yeah, here. I'll read the story and be like, oh, they conveniently <laughs> described whatever as this. You know, kind of <laughs> Al Chomsky kind of chops apart things. It's like, oh, they, they would never say this about, you know, America doing this and wherever. Mm-hmm. The mainstream sources are good in terms of like good sources for news in as much as they do really get a lot of scoops. But this documentary i think really lays out like the importance of being skeptical toward their intent that's built into what like their like class position really for sure yeah like you think about who can afford to go to journalism school Mm -hmm. and who can afford to even be a journalist do an unpaid internship before they become a reporter all that yeah like work yeah work these shitty well shitty pay i guess for a while because like because you know there's that whole time where we're like oh journalism's dying like who can afford to get into it then Mm -hmm. rich people yeah so uh diving deeper into this alternative theory that he's saying you know the Mm -hmm. the other theory and he he calls this a propaganda model of okay media and he he calls it an institutional analysis and that's because he's breaking this down and not saying like okay what are the individuals like this guy's Mm -hmm. you know really creepy and he wants to take (laughs) over the so he's doing this thing it's nothing like that it's nothing like the you know ultra right wing kind of 
anti-Semitic sort of conspiracy mm-hmm. theories of like, like Jews control the media or anything like that. Yeah, like this guy has a sex ring. So yeah, right. Like yes, yeah, nothing like that. What he's saying is an institutional analysis. These institutions, these are their like motivating factors. So this is what they're gonna like aim to do. Mm-hmm. And so in the propaganda model, looking at media and saying what does it intend to do, you end up saying, well, it ends up propagandizing for the elite for the power structure that exists yeah and he lays out these five filters okay and they kind of go through this in the documentary a little haphazardly uh so i pulled from the book which i've also read Ooh, read a book yes look at me reading a book (laughs) that's another good one if you got letting a little intro left easier looking to get Mm. at because you know chomsky kind of has and we'll get into his personal politics a little later he's he's got kind of a very friendly i think a very friendly i think so sort of leftism yeah he's not scary yeah uh (laughs) anyway so the five filters that he talks about is first off is ownership okay all right so who owns uh the media that's a great question they're privately owned they have higher up parent companies Obviously, they're not going to be like, did you know how much of a piece of shit Amazon is? You know, it's like, well, well, this is the Washington Post, sir. Like, we're not running that story. You know, like, but they have that bit in the documentary that is very outdated now. <laughs> that runs the list of like the few, the very few companies that own yes. major media. It was, I got it. It was 23 companies owning 50% of the media. And I'm like, that ratio is so cute. That's probably, you know, <laughs> trust busting Elizabeth Warren probably wants to get back to that. Oh, I'm to sure. To the halcyon days of 1992. I feel like now there's like five companies. You were literally right. <laughs> they showed a chart at one point. I'm like, this looks like some QAnon shit of like all the corporations and how they're connected. It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. No, but you are... A hundred percent right in there are actually five companies that oh don't God. control whatever paltry amount they said in the documentary. Five companies that control 90% of U.S. Mm. media. And that was in mm. 2017. I'm sure it I'm hasn't sure just more. gotten better. <laughs> I'm like, uh, we did it, guys. Free media. Right. So those five companies, in case you're looking for anyone to just, you know, completely adore as a company or, you know, do direct action against whatever you want to yeah. do. Do some hexes uh, and curses. Who am I cursing? <laughs> AT&T. Obviously. Uh, I mean, they have like HBO, all this stuff. God, they have so many things. Yeah. They own everything. Comcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Walt Disney Company. <laughs> Viacom CBS. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, I thought that, like, CBS, what is it called? CBS uh, All Access or Direct Mm. Access or something was, like, separate and a competitor to, like, Paramount, their new thing. But those are in the same parent company. Then we should have one streaming service. If there's only five companies, there should only be five streaming services, people. Come on. Fuck off. (laughs) Right. Uh, What else? Fox Corporation. Okay, that's it. Definitely send them your best regards, however you choose to do so. <laughs> Legally only. Sure, sure. Those are the five companies that control 90% of U.S. media. Mm, that's nasty. So it's way worse than when he did the documentary. One, he say, <laughs> yeah, one thing he yeah. says is, okay, these corporations are, these newspapers are either owned directly or owned up the chain. Mm-hmm. somebody and they're not just going to say hey fuck the system like obviously yeah. and i think that's interesting because it's you know it's something that people don't think about a lot of times 
in our economy, like, damn, why is everything so fucked up? You know, like, I mean, probably mm-hmm. people listening to this now kind of make those questions, <laughs> but a lot of people are just like, geez, can't someone come in and like, you know, provide some solutions? Like, why is, you know, medical care so expensive? Why is housing so expensive? Like, dude, okay, so they don't make a house to like make sure you have a place to live. They do it so they can no. sell somebody a house and make money. Yeah, yeah. And like, I love at one point in the documentary, he says, like, it would, it's not controversial to, to say that General Motors tries to make money. Right. Yeah. They're a corporation. Mm-hmm. Newspapers are also corporations. Exactly. They are trying <laughs> to make money. They're doing the news not as a public service, but to sell you something. To sell, actually, to sell someone else you, really. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's not like the individual journalists are evil, like, I'm only doing this for profit. Like, right. they want to keep their jobs. Like, I get it. <laughs> Yes, yeah. There was a little miscellaneous thing I wanted to mention. This guy who they ask him, you know, hey, Frank Cessnoa of CNN, uh, tell us about like the self censorship over there regarding Ugh. like the coverage of the Gulf War and stuff, you know, like. This was so juicy. And you're saying, yeah, these journalists, like, they're, they're not, you know, evil. They just now have an institutional way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Like, they see themselves as you know, an agent of CNN and that that's a good thing or whatever. Right. So yeah, he says yeah. when asked about self-censorship, he says, well, there's no self-censorship. If somebody tells me something, I'm going to pass it on without missing a beat. He continues, unless there's a particular or compelling reason not to. Like uh, what the fuck? <laughs> paraphrasing the rest of what he says, he kind of says, I can't deny that I'd like to have access to everything. The president's looking at but that's not possible. It's not realistic. And it's probably not even desirable. You have just <sighs> so censored in an answer where you said i don't self-censor like even the part where he's like unless i have a compelling reason like what is that compelling reason is that your fucking parent company like (laughs) what the fuck man yeah so this ownership filter is super strong even if you don't intend it to be really even if you're like i'm gonna go into it for the right reasons i'm gonna you know speak truth to power all that. Yeah, yeah. They do this all the time on, like, the West Wing. They're constantly trying to get, like, Danny to shut down a story. And they're just like, hey, you get an interview with the president if you don't do this. Like, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The next filter is advertisers. Mm, yeah. And it kind of goes on this discussion about saying, you know, well, the newspapers. And and he, you know, is a product of, of the 1992 time of the documentary talking about newspapers and talking about yeah yeah just take newspapers and replace it with other things guys. i think they're broadly like still kind of important online i think that a lot online they're they still are, yeah. like agenda setters in that term but like he says okay well anyone producing the news right they want to get an elite an affluent audience they want mm-hmm. people who bring in the advertising dough now you have more experience maybe with marketing advertising mm-hmm. that's right correct like, you want to get people with money? Oh, for fucking sure. Like, yeah, there's there's some nasty meetings on there. Like, yeah, we are definitely looking for people with money. Or to trick people who, like, we don't think are smart to give us their money. Mm. Those are the two options. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's who you're targeting. And the, I guess maybe the more long-term stable solution is to just get rich people to like your thing. Right. So Mm -hmm. he says advertisers is a filter because like they're going to present kind of a pro elite message, something that attracts like flies to one of those bug zapper things, the elite to your product so that they then 
you can turn around to whoever the fuck Porsche and be like, Hey, all the rich assholes watch my show run an ad. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, we've mentioned this before, like even the, the Apple news roundup, it's very like aspirational. Like mm. New York times is this way too. It's like, yeah. we're going to tell you about how to, you know, best take care of your mental health. And like, just like all these like little buzzwords, but that are, not accessible to like working class people. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The New York Times acts like everybody's been ensconced in their houses the entire lockdown. And she's like, Yes, it's insane. <laughs> I don't know, dude. I taught this whole school here. Like, that ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's very much from this elite perspective. And Chomsky's theory says that's because they're courting advertisers and they're saying, Look yeah. at the wealthy people, the you know, cash cows that you can milk if you advertise with us. They have a stat of like 60% of newspapers are advertisement. I bet that's even crazier now, too. I mean, I haven't picked up a print newspaper in a minute. Oh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me neither. And it's interesting. That's probably morphed in some other way now because yeah, yeah. you have to look at how even effective is advertising like in your online model. You know, you it's yeah kind of have to do like paywall subscription sort of thing. There's paywalls. And then, yeah, also just like ads at the beginning of things interspersed throughout your Instagram stories, whatever. There's a lot of ways to do ads now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The third filter is sourcing. And he says, mm, okay. kind of like, okay, well, getting your sources from, it's really easy. And you kind of almost get co-opted or brought into the game, so to speak. If you're given, like you were saying about West Wing with, um, what's mm -hmm. his face, Danny, is he gets a little bit co-opted. They're like, well, we'll give you this, you know, story. You'll be kind of an insider, you know, mm -hmm. get him a little bit of buy-in to where he sort of identifies with. He may be a little adversarial or whatever, but like, he's not that adversarial. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely like, um, clout is the word I was thinking of. You're, yeah, like you're an insider. That means you're mm. important. Like yeah. journalists can be kind of like pseudo celebrities, like, especially like when TV, like cable news was really, really big. Like yeah. now it's it's different. I mean, you can still be Twitter famous. So uh -huh. yeah. there's that. True. Uh, you get the scoops, you, you know, break the big news or whatever, that sort of thing. And I think, but I think that uh, what he's maybe more focused on is the, is the willingness of, news organizations broadly speaking to kind of take and then just kind of mouthpiece not really criticize too much reports that they straight up get from the white house press briefings reports that they straight up get <laughs> from the department of defense from the cia from the joint chiefs of staff from whoever is telling them you know today we had this operation where we kinetically whatever like they just fucking repeat that stuff yeah, okay, did you hear about, like, the press secretary, what they asked her the first day? No, no, I tried to stay away. They said, are you going to tell us the whole unvarnished truth? Someone asked her that, and she was like, yes, of course. And it's like, no, she's <laughs> literally not her job. Yeah, my, I get paid not to. I get yeah, paid to that's her job. feed you something that looks good. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. But, yeah, there is this... There is this kind of worshiping of of these figures. Wow. I think that's I think that's a big part of it. Like we talk we're talking about self-censorship. I think a lot of it is patriotism. I think a lot of it is is this insane mm -hmm. worship of institutions. It's 
patriotism for sure or kind of like playing on a team because mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise like if you think about the sorts who are like oh i believe in science or i want a free you know press that tells the truth and just the facts mm-hmm. or whatever like okay if Cute. you actually believed in that you would have taken that reporter who asked that question strip them of the press credentials and burn them at the stake as a heretic like that's ridiculous to ask that sort of a question yeah, yeah. like <laughs> and they had this quote in the documentary too of like it's not like communist level sensitizing but there is some sensitizing in, in the u.s media and i'm like look at we have a fucking propaganda machine right now like i there's very few stories now about covid deaths mm-hmm. the masks thing was bonkers like if if trump had fallen up the stairs of a plane it'd be fucking on twitter 24 7 for a month yeah and everyone would be like that's what you get you fat fuck or whatever like yeah <laughs> You know, Joe, Joe Biden would be like, maybe if he ate less Big Macs, Mac, you would yeah. climb up. The, you know, I mean, like there'd be all sorts of gross shit that they would be doing. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know? And uh, yeah, there is this team obsession. I think that's one of the things that was kind of missing from this documentary personally, because mm. it was back in the day. Yeah. Of the partisanship uh, fight. Is mm-hmm. what you're there wasn't like the extreme partisanship or like at least not the appearance of it. I mean, oh, I'm not okay. like. Yeah old enough to know what was going on then but like i know it was partisan like yeah we shut down the government in the 90s or whatever but like at one point they talk about voting and how it's like kind of a false choice and like a lot of people know that like you know like you used to have people saying like oh democrats and republicans are the the same same. yeah two sides you don't have that now (laughs) you don't have that like it's like a fucking life or death decision like you're a terrible person if you don't vote because you're sending kids to camps you're saying that that's kind of in the popular discourse is yes. everyone sees that as a very... As a super different choice, even though, like, if you strip back identity politics, like, they're pretty similar. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was going to say, oh, we got to tell you some more Huey Long quotes from... No, no, no. I know Low Papa Hiram and High Papa Lowram, but... Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, and they're not the same... They're not. One of them's racist, and obviously that's worse. But, like, this one's not racist, but still racist in terms of it upholds capitalism. It just doesn't say, like, the N-word. One of them says, you're racist, while Mm -hmm. doing the racist stuff. And one of them is just, (laughs) we're all racist. What? It's fine. (laughs) Anyway, stupid partisan politics aside. Yeah, no, no, no. I I agree that, like, the documentary, product of its time, I think, kind of, Mm-hmm. doesn't focus on too much the culture they don't really go out there and and i think that there was maybe this 1992 this is before bill clinton's election you know, yeah this is almost a because bill clinton like just runs as a dem as a republican basically he just says i'm oh, running on sure. the democratic party but i'm yeah, a Republican. We're I don't get know. rid of crime and drugs and we're gonna do welfare checks like yeah but not like not like money checks like checking up on them <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fraud and stuff. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, like it's, uh, it's this wonderful sort of almost post-partisan. It's definitely it's post-Cold War sort of moment. Mm-hmm. We've just become the sole hegemon of the world. We're we're it, you know, and mm-hmm. it's this triumph of kind of like Reagan and Bush and stuff before '92, which obviously just craters the whole thing. And aside, yeah, I agree with your point that I think that he could have. Well, I just don't think the time yet. was there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're looking at it like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Another filter in the theory is called flack. 
I don't think they talk about this too much in the documentary, but flack is the concept no. of negative responses. Uh, okay. When the media do run some sort of controversial story, you've got they they brought the wrong guest on, or they did you know they ran some story from a junior guy who was trying to make a name for himself or whatever. They break the rule. They break from conformity. Mm-hmm. They get slammed. Can you give examples? Okay, so a good example in the modern times would be somebody running a story that says, hey, maybe Israel shouldn't be fucking shelling Palestinians. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was an easy one. You know? I set you up, huh? And, uh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> okay, well, then you got the fucking, you know, Anti-Defamation League coming down on them and saying, oh, well, you're being anti-Semitic for saying that Israel shouldn't be able to do whatever yep. it wants foreign policy-wise or whatever, right? Like... That's an example of flack. I I loved when they said that the media gets to set not only the agenda of what what news coverage we're we're picking up, mm-hmm. but also the boundaries of like what reasonable people can discuss. Yeah. Like think about it. Mm-hmm. Like th- there was a huge shift with Bernie. Like oh, yeah. full disclosure, I'm still wearing my Bernie shirt as we <laughs> record. But they'll you'll never have a real leftist on cnn like that just won't fucking happen no they're not gonna put a marxist leninist on there or they'll just you know cut them off make them a straw man do something they're not gonna just like give them a mouthpiece no they don't take them seriously and you can see people get watered down the longer they stay in that system Mm -hmm. like even aoc like she's really watered the fuck down where where is her anger about concentration camps now yeah Mm, not seeing it yeah aoc big picture here a little bit Zoom mm-hmm. out, kind of Marxist leftist perspective here. Mm, yes. You know, this is something that we've seen in a lot of things we've talked about the dangers of pursuing a more electorist, electoral strategy. You become part of the system. You get the clout, you get the celebrity, you get, you know, it. This was very frustrating to me. We talked about this this weekend. Uh, there was a local election here recently, and there's this woman in my district who, like, everyone agrees sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> mm-hmm. everyone's like, yeah, she hasn't done anything. She never shows up to our neighborhood. She just, like, kind of blows people off. Mm-hmm. But then people ended up being like, well, she knows how the system works, so I'm going to vote for her. And I'm like, clearly uh, the system isn't working. <laughs> <laughs> she knows how the shitty system that she's a part of works. <laughs> exactly. Like, there's yeah. this weird reverence for, like, Oh, your experience, that must mean you're good at this. When it really means your experience, you're more likely to not give a shit. Okay, so what we want, what I want to be happening is that AOC is like, she's, she's got her hand. Yeah, she's scheming. She's got this. She's playing some Game of Thrones long game she's shit. She's going to get into power and say, all right. Just kidding, guys. I was communist the whole time. I am time. now first comrade AOC. <laughs> uh, we've abolished the Constitution. Like, she's going to get in there and, like, just, you know, do a coup, do a... A revolution mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's it that'd be hilarious but no one ever is actually doing that you know people no. get co-opted by the system on the way they get comfortable just like regular people get comfortable. and it's why going back to the classic example the bolsheviks were saying the mensheviks are bullshit like they agreed to work with the provisional mm-hmm. government and they got in and what do they do they say oh you know this is fine like we'll we'll eventually get out of the war you know and and <laughs> and the mensheviks were repaid with getting thrown out you know the bolsheviks yeah. were able to ride that popular wave of discontent and say no fuck this not good enough other leftist movements have floundered on the rocks because we try to do something else and we try to say well you know what about bernie or what about whatever and mm-hmm. again i you know you're wearing the bernie shirt. i fully supported bernie i really Here do think <laughs> i think things could have taken a not like a hard left turn into communism or anything but like things would be better oh sure you know 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that was a real missed opportunity. I still get sad about that. Like, my least favorite thing is whenever my phone shows me memories from, like, February oh, of last uh-huh. year. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that was nice. Yeah. Right before the pandemic hit, we got to go to a rally. It was fun as shit. It was so good. But, yeah, when the media does break from its molt and run something that is controversial from the point of view of the elites, no matter how common sense it makes, you know, mm-hmm. oh, maybe we shouldn't do war crimes in this place. Or, hey, maybe uh, the, the the planet's on fire and we got to, like, you know, try mm-hmm. to survive with the massive uh, movement never before seen in the human you know, in the history of the human race. And not just like, we should all recycle, like actually pinning it on the people who are fucking doing right, it. Right, like not increase car emissions standards by 10% by 2050. Yeah, yeah. You know, like actual actions. <laughs> Whenever they run something like that, they get fucking flack. And a lot of times that's run by very wealthy donors or very powerful corporations. You mentioned the, the Anti-Defamation League. I mean, that's a powerful lobby. Uh, mm-hmm. But you also have something called the Global Climate Coalition. Those motherfuckers sound like they are green as shit, right? Like these guys are actually made up of, for example, fossil fuel companies like Exxon and Texaco. (laughs) Great. (laughs) And so that's why you see like the Exxon Mobil commercials that's like, oh, I'm a scientist looking to fight climate change and I'm doing all these researches on on how we're going (sighs) to work. But it's, and then the end of the commercial is Exxon. (laughs) What? Um Global Climate Coalition, though, is just an example. Like, these guys, you know, will mob, uh, you know, any sort of media that they'll just flood them with everything they can if they, you know, air a climate scientist that's, like, being too, you know, alarmist about uh, climate change and everything. It's just like, that's, you know, that's a, that's something that factors into your mind when you're booking guests and shit is... Uh, you know who you know am i gonna piss somebody off like anybody who's thinking maybe i'll talk to chomsky is thinking somebody's gonna get up here and say that anti-semitic fuck you had him on here and blah 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 you know he doesn't support yep everything israel does or whatever like eh, that's definitely weighing in their minds when they make these yeah, decisions yeah for sure Ugh. and this is an interesting point too because it's it's again with that this is not a secret cabal the flak angle is purely self-interest do i want to have to deal with some assholes coming at me for a story i do like it's yeah do you want to get fired yeah yeah and it's it's, it's not like how can i help capitalism and yeah yeah you're not getting you know? back pay for that you're just trying to save your own skin right yeah you're doing essentially you're doing your job you know mm-hmm. the fifth of the filters is norms or fear initially in the original copy of the book in 1988 this was anti-communism they've since revised it because that's not the primary thread anymore although it's kind of latent and built in now it's no longer what are the soviets doing you know like it's yeah yeah just fear-based yeah it's the idea that like journalists kind of and more broadly the media industry everybody involved in it has kind of like internalized this sort of us and them mentality that's cultivated broadly in our culture Mm -hmm. and so we have these societal norms and defend them as like members of that team. Like, like it's us, you know, and we, mm-hmm. you know, in some way that the media and honestly, you can just fall into it on accident. You can describe yourself that way too with the United States, with companies, even whatever. I mean, this kind of gets into like their, the war coverage of things like you're, 
you're an American. You're going to want to make America look good. Like, that's a bias that you have. Yes. And you're going to conveniently leave things out where we don't look good. And you're going to highlight when other people do things that are bad. Like, again, like, just, it's in the news a fucking lot. But, like, Israel and Palestine, like, that's a very easy one. Like, the use of passive voice, man, it's doing a lot of work these days. Like, Palestinians were killed. They just end up getting killed somehow. Like, I don't know what they're doing if they just are... You know, running with scissors or something. Spike pits everywhere. Quicksand, a lot of it probably. A lot of quicksand. (laughs) Not to belittle the situation. We're making a lot of it in a terrible, like, kind of gallows humor here. It's fucked up. Fuck Israel. The Israeli government. The settlements. All of it is bullshit in an apartheid state. I mean, we have to offer further comment. but (laughs) That's the the tweet. Send tweet. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, let's get to teams, though. Let's talk about teams. All right. Talking about teams. Guys, this might have been my favorite section of the documentary. Okay. All right. We're going to have some back and forth here. He talks about sports mm-hmm. and how their primary function is giving the public something to pay attention to, something to distract them. Bread and circuses of. is the old mm-hmm, phrasing of mm-hmm. it. And I, I love how he talks about it, though. He's like, think about how much intellectualism is focused towards oh, sports. Like. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like I, you know, my husband watches the 30 for 30 documentaries and I Mm -hmm. actually have watched them and they're very good. Those are, yeah, those are good. They're really good. And I don't even, I fucking hate sports. Those are good. good. Another one for listeners looking for some good sports. I I don't know. The Venn diagram is probably not really there for this, (laughs) but still. Sports fans out there, another good one that I like anyway are the ones from, I think it's from NFL Network called A Football Life. And they do Mm. like little pictures of different people. They're pretty short and they're, (laughs) I like them, so they're informative. I don't know. And then the secondary thing of, like, it's also teaching you about team mentality and, like, group think yeah. and following the rules. Mm-hmm. Rules are really big in sports. Like, oh, I think yeah. that's so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think there's, yeah, a lot there. I mean, first of all, I will say I'm a fan of sports. Sports are excellent. <laughs> I am and we talked about this in one of our listener question episodes mm-hmm. and talked about, well, okay, what would sports look like under communism? Mm-hmm. Right? One of our classic diversions from Marx who would say, I don't know, communism hasn't happened yet, but <laughs> who gives a well, shit? We're, you know, we like to speculate. People are going to do sports. And I mean, like we People love sports. sports. It's fun and competitive and just like honestly i think that if we ever get replaced by robots or aliens like they're still gonna watch us do sports like that's gonna be like a dog (laughs) competition a dog showing but for humans (laughs) and we're gonna be doing sports because it's just one of the things that we do and we like to do and it's competitive and fun it's like you know yes but you're right i and i didn't really think about this until watching this documentary is Kind of how much, although it touches on something we've talked about before with advertising and such, and is is how much human mm-hmm. intelligence, human effort is wasted, eaten up <laughs> in this. Like we could have somebody like curing cancer, putting us on mm-hmm. Saturn or something, you know, orbiting Saturn. I mean, like really fucking cool shit. But and and it's a kind of a testament to how smart and kind of cool humans are is that we can do all that but for fucking sports like yeah um, but i mean you could say the same thing about like art and stuff you know like i i do think like 
humans deserve nice things. I don't think it's like, no, nope, we all got to yeah, <laughs> put your back into it. That's true. But but I see what you're saying. Like it is kind of it's monumental how much effort and dollars and time goes into sports. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. I def I was watching that and I was like, I don't think there's anything nefarious about like team sports as a concept or anything. But I do see his point as to, well, okay, capitalism obviously sees this as useful. Mm-hmm. So they pour a ton of resources in terms of covering it in the media, in terms of sponsoring it, in terms of demanding public funds to build these huge cathedrals in its <laughs> honor. Like, okay, I get that part for sure. Like the money side of it, you know, definitely. That was spot I on. I will say... It doesn't have to be that way. So one of the 30 for 30 documentaries I watched was like, you know, the miracle story in the 80s, mm-hmm. like the US versus Russia hockey team, yeah. right? They did that, but from the Russian side. And I loved this documentary because it was so interesting. They're saying like Russian hockey is super different from like Canadian hockey because they were the big guys. They're still the big guys yeah. in hockey. Um, they're saying that like, they're all about the team. Like, that they were like a fucking unit man and like yeah. that's how they played and i thought that was so cool and like comrades man yeah they're fucking comrades it was just a different way to look at sports of like it's not about like there's a star player and he's you know right like it, we are in service to him yeah it can be very celebrity and individualism well, and bootstrap kind of culture fascistic too like subservient yourself to this leader like yes yeah there's a captain and yeah all that shit and or a coach you know but like their way was much more team oriented i'm like that's where it's at that's cool i I did like some of the phrases used here is you know Mm -hmm. when he talks about cheering for his high school team (laughs) and i was like dude some uh, you do kind of have these breakthroughs at some point or like just kind of like weird thoughts and you're like Mm -hmm. it's just like i just happened to grow up here and like go to this school and he's like (laughs) i don't know anybody on the team why the fuck am i cheering for them (laughs) hilarious uh, i thought that was neat. Uh, the the irrational attitudes of submission to authority yes and irrational jingoism yeah yeah yeah. Tra- yeah training and irrational jingoism i mean again i don't think it's a nefarious project but i will add that it is nefarious when the department of defense decides that at every single one of these uh events you need <laughs> to make sure to like have a flyover of the things that you use to bomb brown people overseas. <laughs> mm-hmm. You need to make sure to like have a giant fucking flag to remember all the people, all the victims of terrorism, not directed by your state. Uh, you know, you, you have to do all these, all these symbols of American patriotism. Like, I mean, that, that's intentional. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if you look at the breakdown of like, I mean, no, there are liberal people who are in sports. There are leftists who are into sports, but like, it is a pretty conservative culture. Like, if I oh, yeah. show up to a sports game, like, I'm gonna look pretty queer compared to everybody else. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not exactly their demo, unless it's a roller derby event. Then I would look right. I'd really fit in. And it's sort of American, and broadly speaking, I mean, you do have different uh, crews that are different. Like, apparently, the Minnesota United FC and MLS, like, they have supporters groups. For Americans here, mm. it's called the Red Loons, and they're very like leftist and oh and weird. Stuff. And you know, you have kind of some of that culture there. And ob- in in Europe, this is way different. You do have kind of like oh, left wing, yeah. right wing kind of groups for 
different clubs and some clubs are like just considered left wing and all that what that's cr- okay i would go to those sports games <laughs> that sounds great i like soccer too so it's different i mean but like speaking you're right speaking from an american's perspective sports tend to be more conservative depending on a sport i guess too <laughs> but i thought that was an interesting little road that he went oh for down. sure i love that <laughs> so he um is asked kind of about okay well your theory of the propaganda model of of media, you know, what evidence do you have for this? Because this is quite the claim. Yes. And he kind of at some yes. point talks about like, well, when you make crazy claims, you got to kind of back it up by evidence. And that's mm-hmm. to be expected. I agree. Yeah. You know, real yeah. quick. He talks about the the condition of concision, which Ooh, I love that yeah. term. That because media has like they're trying to get your attention. They only have it for a certain amount of time. And like we talked about earlier, that time is infinitesimal <laughs> smaller now. Seconds now. <laughs> um, Communism is good. Yeah, that's the tweet. Bye. Out, that's it. <laughs> but the beauty of this is that you don't really have time to explain anything. So all you can have time to say is communism is good. And then the media will be like, this guy's crazy. Like you don't have time to actually like back Guy up your says shit. communism is good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> When it comes to mainstream media, like it's very hard to like have nuance, basically. Oh yeah, that's why you know the classic TLDR exists. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, but back to this. Back to this. He's he's asked kind of, um, well, what's your proof of the mm-hmm. of the media theory? And he says, okay, well, you know, like one thing we can do because the world's kind of messy and it doesn't really provide you with experiments necessarily, but we can kind of compare situations. Yes. He says, okay, well, we've got two situations here. We have the situation of Cambodia under the rule of the Khmer Rouge and East Timor. Okay, so yeah, kind of a brief summary of what's going on here. He says, okay, well, Cambodia was under the rule of Pol Pot, who was definitely shitty. You really have to dive into the deepest circles of, like, complete tankiness to kind of get to people who are like, I don't know, Pol Pot. I mean, <laughs> uh, Pol Pot is so bad that people are like, yeah, he was a CIA op is Whoa. what people will get around to in leftist circles as being like, he's got to be, he's so he's bad. He's so evil, you know? cartoonishly evil. Right. That's how fucking mm-hmm. shitty he was. Because I mean, he was just like killing people. Yeah. Know? This dictatorship, lots of atrocities, lot, tons of death. And tons of media coverage, talking kind of in the 70s, especially kind of getting into the mid to late 70s, 75, Mm. 79. Once America had started to decide to kind of pull back from the the war in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. That, for one, garnered a lot of attention in in the press. And and Chomsky kind of draws a, a couple of things here. He says, okay, for one, a lot of the stories that talked about Cambodia said... They phrased it as this terrible atrocity happening in this smiling good region. That's a really racist sounding term. First of all, yes. Like, what do we <laughs> see in the smiling face of these people? But, okay, you know, I think it was murder in a smiling land or something like that. But it was like... Just exoticizing. Talking about this peaceful, idyllic sort of Cambodia that mm-hmm. never existed before then. Like, they had had routine, you know, they had had imperialism happen to them for a long time. Mm-hmm. And immediately before the rise of the Khmer Rouge, the United States was bombing the fuck out of Cambodia. Okay, so why did we do that? I, I caught that and I was like, wait, what? 
because the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese army were using army bases and stuff in Cambodia. And Lyndon Johnson, when he was president, knew about this shit and was like, but I don't want to actually like piss off Congress and mm-hmm. get involved and all that stuff. So he didn't do anything about it. When Nixon becomes president, <laughs> Nixon is just like, what if I don't tell them and just decides cool. to start bombing them? Cool. Uh, and it was something like five congressional leaders or something knew about the secret bombings in Cambodia mm. that he had ordered. And they just start like bombing people all over the place. Hundreds of thousands of people are killed um, in Cambodia throughout the, uh, you know, American bombing campaign there. That's not something that the U.S. press ever focused on. They act like everything was roses until mm-hmm. the Khmer Rouge show up. Yeah, and it's it's the classic fucking meme of like who did this? Like, yeah, like it yeah. happens in open veins. Like we, this is a fucking recurring theme of like we go in and fuck up a region and then are surprised when it continues to be fucked up. Yeah, and so the Khmer Rouge kind of take power and do really bad shit. Mm-hmm. But they're a communist country now, so so now you know, we can be mad. They say, "Whoa, so <laughs> many people are dying there. It's bad." And it and. It's I bad. thought it was fairly well done in the documentary. He's like, yeah, that was, that was fucked up. Like they should not have done that. That was bad. For sure. Uh, whereas at the time kind of people were messing up on that and were like, I don't know, maybe they're doing socialism. You know, they're kind of uh, you know, yeah. being hopeful. And yeah. It did not turn out well. Mm. The comparison that he uses to this is a region called East Timor. Okay. Which was previously a Portuguese colony. Okay. After kind of independence, Pretty much immediately then they had a civil war mm-hmm. and a group called Fretilene won the civil war, basically. Yeah. And there was kind of a coalition government led by them that takes power. And the documentary kind of describes they're kind of like a Catholic populist uh, with some kind of left wing kind of rhetoric. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in 1975, the United States, a very close ally of Indonesia gives them the green light to invade mm. okay yeah in the documentary they said uh who was it that was visiting was it carter? gerald ford or ford sorry carter you're cool not that cool i mean yeah but cooler than ford <laughs> it's all degrees so yeah ford was visiting with his wife and they like had already kind of made it their minds that like yeah we're gonna let this happen but they waited to like give the green light until they left <laughs> like it's so awkward you don't want to have a uh, you know have to give a press conference coming off of Air Force One, like did you see the tanks invading this <laughs> tiny <laughs> yeah, country? Totally. They're they're visiting Indonesia. I don't think I made that clear. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, Indo- Indonesia invaded, did fucking war crimes all over the place. Uh, terrible, awful. It is less, you know, fewer deaths in absolute terms for sure than Cambodia, but actually the documentary made clear like more proportionally. Yes. To the population. Uh, you know, a, a greater bloodbath of, in terms of percentage. Yes. And fucking radius silence, pretty much. Yeah. Almost yeah. nothing. They did that I loved. I thought was cool. It was kind of quirky, but I thought it was cool. <laughs> the little rollout of columns. Oh, inches. I love that. Yes. <laughs> they, they rolled out the inches of newspaper column devoted to Cambodia and East Timor, like respectively. And one was like... You know, I don't know, 10 feet long or something. And the other one was like fucking like 40 feet they, long. It was crazy. They keep turning on floodlights to like illuminate more yeah. of the gym floor or whatever. That was cool. That was very cool. 
But yeah, and then like the U.S. provided the arms for this shit, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, mm, again, <laughs> we still do that. <laughs> they provided, yeah, no, tons of arms. Ninety percent of the arms, I think, is what they said. Yeah, and and I mean, even they they give the green light to do this thing, and they're like, kind of keep it clean, you know. Like Kissinger was telling the Operation Condor people, like, get it done and get clean because we don't want to have to deal with it. Ugh. They did basically the same thing here. It's just like, please take care of this quickly and. Then we'll cover for you. Jesus. Uh, and then they come to them like almost immediately. Like we we need, we need more guns. Like that's how you know fucking violent they were. They were running this whole thing. And and again, it gets almost no coverage. Chomsky's work actually does bring attention to this, mm-hmm. and really does kind of have a the effect of bringing the international community's kind of eyes to bear on the East Timor situation, which was very inconvenient. <laughs> for the United States, you know, in, in terms of having to deal with this. Eventually, it does force the the next president. So that president was Suharto in mm-hmm. Indonesia. You know, just he was just evil. he was a dictator yeah. that America was propping up. And once he was gone, the next guy, because of the international pressure at this point, was like, OK, we're going to have a referendum. Mm-hmm. They can leave or they can stay with Indonesia as like autonomous status. Mm. And the government went around saying like, oh, these guys are like, they're going to agree to stay with us because we're like good and we've never done anything wrong there. And they're like, it's going to be fine. Like, don't worry about it. But like 90 something percent of the people show up, 70 percent that vote say like, no, fuck. Yeah, I'm gone. You guys have been murdering us for a long time. Uh, well, I mean, like that's in 1999, by the way. So that's like you know, 20 years later. Oh my gosh, 20 years of genocide. And so, as soon as that vote is over, Indonesia sends in the military and destroys 80 percent of their infrastructure. Oh my god! Like, fi- if you don't want to live with us, we're gonna fuck your shit up. Yeah, and they murder tons of people too. Fuck, thousands of people are killed in that. A lot of students, especially because they target students who were like who had been active in the campaign mm, of yeah. the vote. Uh, and it was just a, a complete, you know, just utter massacre. destructive bloodshed. Yeah. And this was hitherto, you know, an American ally before that point and everything. Insane. Before the kind of like switch, I guess. He also talks about, like, as related to wars broader, I guess, that often there is an option of peace, but like, it's like, we don't really consider that as an option. And like the media doesn't really present that as an option. And they give an example of, of George Bush saying aggressors can't be rewarded, even (laughs) though he was the head of the CIA during the East Timor conflict. Like you, you were rewarded by becoming president. (laughs) Let me break out my George Bush file here. This guy (laughs) A true, real piece of shit. True villain of history. <laughs> First of all, for any of you, you know, conspiracy heads out here, he has uh, no idea where in Texas he was on November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Ooh, that out no there. alibi. Could not remember where he was. Like, <laughs> too drunk. I mean, is that why? Is that your story? Like, yeah, that's I was a in terrible Texas, story. But who knows where I was? Yeah. <laughs> that's a First really bad all. alibi. <laughs> He got like a special briefing on that. And then afterward, like someone found like that the CIA gave a briefing to a George Bush, you know, from the CIA mm-hmm. about the events in Dallas. But then <gasps> la- then the CIA was like, yeah, we did. But that was actually a different one. 
That was a different, yeah, it was a different George Bush. It was a guy who worked the night shift who they interviewed him later. This magazine interviewed him later and was like, that didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So a lot of shady shit as far as that goes. But if if you are in charge of the CIA, first of all, you are doing more crimes. (laughs) You are like murdering people, getting people murdered. Yeah, you are an aggressor. (laughs) Yes. So you, and, and he... Or is it Chomsky says he's you know the only head of state at the time I guess mm-hmm. uh, the only head of state to be to, to to have been accused of you know stand accused on the in the world court basically or something mm-hmm. you know like as a as an aggressor and, and I mean he presided over the invasion of Panama <laughs> uh, which was just fucking bullshit so that we could get the Panama Canal region I mean like Jesus this dude had done some fucked up shit yeah. He gets this kind of pass as just being like, oh, kind of folksy, whatever, mm-hmm. sort of guy, you know, harmless wasp because he's, you know, blue blooded or whatever. But he was a fucked up old school CIA guy. Yeah, I mean, man. He did he some was. shit. You know, Yale skull and bones, like secret society back when those men something. <laughs> we could do an episode on this guy. Point oh, yeah. is never give, you know, George Bush. He can he can like, you know, seem nice off. to you or whatever, but fuck him. Yeah. Damn, I lost. I, <laughs> you just got really mad about Bush Sorry, for a second. Yeah, <laughs> it was about aggressors being rewarded. Yeah, and that's the thing is we like to pretend that our you know American presidents aren't war criminals <laughs> at all, <laughs> and everyone else who has done something. Sorry, not everyone else. Everyone else who contravenes our interests as a as a country. Socialists. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone <laughs> yes. who's not aligned with American imperialism, you know, who does anything questionable, they're they're the bad morally guys. reprehensible. You know, that's why we're like, you know, fuck Hamas, fuck mm-hmm. anything that the Palestinians do, because they're not laying down for American domination. Whereas we don't do the same for the IDF, we don't do the same for Mossad, we don't do the same for Israel at all. You know. Well, and and Chomsky says something to the effect of like. Basically, all U.S. presidents would be hanged for war crimes, like based on the Nuremberg trials. And I'm like, we should be more upset about this. <laughs> what the fuck, guys? Yes. Now, this is 100% true. There's this wonderful interview where he just runs through the list. And because the, the guy's incredulous, of course. Yeah, it's like, and what are you talking like, about? Seriously? And, and it's funny because Chomsky will be like, yeah, so Eisenhower <laughs> did this. Yeah, he talks about Guatemala, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That was Eisenhower. He talks about, you know, Kennedy trying to knock off Cuba with the Bay of Pigs. I think for, you know, Lyndon Johnson, he's like, I almost don't need to go into that, but Vietnam, you know. <laughs> Nixon, I definitely don't need to go, need to go into that. It's Nixon. It's you know, Nixon. Like, that one's obvious. Everyone knows. But yeah, like, that is 100% true. You mentioned earlier, like, there's definitely a setting up of, of like, good guys and bad guys. And yeah. they talk about this, like, someone asks him, like, well, what about the Czechs? Don't you care about them getting murdered like aren't they like experiencing genocide and like first off that's classic like what aboutism like sure yeah fuck you like that's not a real debate to, like mm-hmm. thing to do when we set up these comparisons between like stalinist imperialism and u.s imperialism like obviously imperialism sucks like that's yes fuck yeah that's our motto yeah that's our motto <laughs> but i to me at least it read as we don't care about these guys because they're brown people 
and like yeah. we really give a shit about Eastern Europeans being killed because they look like us. They devote a lot of the book manufacturing consent to the concept of worthy and unworthy victims. Mm. This sort yes. of like idea of some people are, you know, targets of genocide that you need to like cry about and see on your TV and say, what can we do? And some people it's just like, I mean, that happens, you know, and we get this in the news even, you know, these days. I mean, somebody will fucking drive a car bomb into a school or something in Kabul in Afghanistan. And it's just like, oh, I mean, 40 people died in Afghanistan mm-hmm. and, you know, 200 were wounded. It's a blip. Yeah. And you got like six people stabbed. And I don't want to say like, don't fucking care about the other. But like if it happens in Europe and it's like 10 people killed. versus Yes. It's a huge news story. Like the Notre Dame, like catching on fire. No one got hurt in that. But like everyone was like, oh, my gosh, like rending their fucking garments over it. Like it's it's just really interesting how we decide like what's important and it, it is very racist is how we decide mm-hmm. what's important. It's racist and imperialist in the sense of like, it definitely depends on, because we can, you know, they can spin up a good stop, sob story about somebody, you know, suffering from, I mean, that's what they were doing in Venezuela. You mm-hmm. know, that's what they're doing anywhere that they have somebody that they're trying to, you know, put someone else up in. <laughs> it's yeah. just, Oh, what are these poor, poor brown people? That's but, the thing that when they do it though like even with cambodia we were talking about that like it's they do it grossly they do Mm -hmm. it like as look at these innocent brown savages and like everything was great until now like there's this Mm -hmm. weird exoticizing super gross like you saw that a lot when we were coming up like africa was just like a starving continent and like that's all you knew about it the only thing you ever would see about africa would be like Kids who were suffering from starvation and had like the pot belly thing. Mm-hmm. Like you, you never like, got the context Africans. of like, hey, there are all these like civil wars and shit. Like here's here's why that's happening. You just got like yeah. there's this civil wars where the concept. CIA went in and knocked somebody off or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you never you know? got that part of the story. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's a big part of it. it. You know, that's a big example, I guess. Is he's he kind of lays out this. And it's very clear cut in times of war and everything. You know, the the media is like, this is our time to shine. And boom, let's go do the thing for imperialism. Because they get caught up in that sort of taking sides thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. And they, they talk about, this might have been earlier in the documentary, but they talk about like, basically someone has to decide what the news is, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy when you think about it. Like, yeah, because that's you can the see New York it, Times like, guy saying, uh, and, and in the ABC newsroom with mm-hmm. Peter Jennings. Who, oh, I, I saw him. I love him. I want none of this media criticism to go to Chandler's <laughs> memory, even though he's probably totally engaged. He probably sucked. We watched a lot of him growing up. Yeah, so. <laughs> he was our dinner time companion for many years. Yeah, <laughs> but no, like you think about like the AP wires, like. Mm-hmm. They tell you what news is and everyone else just parrots it. And so, and it, then it gets watered down from publication to publication to like suit their needs. Yeah, for sure. It's part of that, eh, part of the filters thing, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it trickles through the media filters, the, the whole process. Yeah. Like they have, <laughs> there's another weird kitschy scene was they did like a surgery, uh, oh, like an operating so room and yes. they, they had like the original report from, I think Australia. it was like, 
Australia, yeah, because they were doing a lot of the East Timor coverage because they're like right next door. Mm-hmm. And the New York Times picked it up, but they like cut out a bunch of stuff. And so they did this cool like operating scene where they're like scalpeling out bits and like sewing it back together. <laughs> it was really cool and also cheesy and stupid. And I liked it. That was, yeah, that one was one that worked for sure. I <laughs> Some of them did but. They put on a caption, actual deletions, and they fucking cannibalized that article. <laughs> but that they would have the gall to print the rest of it like as a story was because like i mean just read that story and put it in your own words any kid copying homework can mm-hmm. do that mm-hmm. but no they just blatantly rip it yeah uh, oh. that was wild i had one more point on this imperialist yeah, bit was there was a quote that i liked that was there is no correlation between internal freedom and external behavior Ooh. basically yeah. You know, you can say America's free. That's fucking great. But it doesn't matter because you still have imperialism. Like, you're still doing bad shit. Not everybody's free. And this is the big leftist kind of argument against one of kind of our friends of the show here, social democracy. Mm, Yeah. Is that if you do have social democracy in its true meaning of having capitalism, but just kind of constraining it to work for the people. You're still your capitalism people. is gonna yeah you're it's it's gonna have to get its exploitation somewhere mm-hmm. and that's Someone's paying you know it. the rest of the world you know that's imperialism yep and it sucks so you'll live high on the hog and you won't have that much inequality but compared to the rest of the world i saw this meme on reddit it was some character in the simpsons like going up to this little rotating tray of desserts mm-hmm. and he's like oh how great but then they zoomed in and it was like Homer like turning this wheel to turn the desserts and this guy like whipping him or whatever. And it was like, this is social democracy. Like, yeah. Yeah. This is, oh, this looks so nice, but really mm-hmm. there's a, you know, a terrible price to pay. For sure. For sure. It's the little kids stuck in the train and Snowpiercer. Oh yeah. That's a great tie in. <laughs> <laughs> you can have such a, you know, free society And, you know, like we mentioned earlier, Chomsky tries to, you know, kind of says America has all these freedoms. Yeah. And Western democracies of any sort can have all these freedoms, but play their role in an American dominated, you know, imperialist system. Or if they're in America, just straight up, you know, American imperialism. Yeah. Like he talks about this kind of gets into our next section, which I have just titled debates. <laughs> Noam Chomsky gets into it with people and I love it. Mm-hmm. But at one point, this fucking frat boy comes up to the mic at one of his talks. I think this is the one in Laramie. Oh, that guy cracked me up. I didn't know who you were talking about so you described him coming up to the mic and I was just like, oh yeah. That oh. didn't come across a frat boy to me. It came across as like a f- fedora guy. He had Greek symbols on his sweater. Oh, okay. That may have been frat stuff. Yeah. Then. Okay. And he basically just like, what are you whining about? Like, you're covered in the media. They like, let you're you this talk here. famous guy. Yeah, you, they let you talk yeah. here. You would get shot if you said this somewhere else. Like, all this. <laughs> is insane. Yes. I laughed so hard. And basically, it's just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, we do have freedoms here. Like, and I'm not complaining. Like, I don't give a shit if, like, I'm famous or not. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not complaining. Yeah. He says he, he gets less pushback outside the United States, though. Like in Canada and stuff, because they have less like of a world stage power. I thought that was a good discussion, too, because he basically says that Canada or wherever he's talking about, right, Mm -hmm. don't have as much to defend. Mm -hmm. Like when he criticizes American empire, they're like, that's fine. I mean, (laughs) 
Yeah, you're right. They suck. We like those guys when they ask us if we like them, but (laughs) you can (laughs) criticize them in our media. It's fine. Yeah. You know, what is Joe Biden going to do? Call us up. Hey, Mac, I saw your report. It was terrible. Like, why did you (laughs) let that guy say those things about, did you know? You know, and then he just forgets and falls asleep on the phone. That's fine. You know, no big deal. Yeah. You don't pay a price. But yeah, no, I thought that was a good, a good point to bring up. That guy cracked me up, though, the fucking frat guy. Oh, my God. I wanted to punch him in the face. When Chomsky started arguing with him, too, he started, like, rolling his eyes and like, oh, looking around and stuff, too. Yes. It was great. Oh, he was the worst. He's like, why is he answering me? Why didn't he just give up? <laughs> I thought I got him. I yeah. thought it was a solid burn. <laughs> uh, that was good. There was also the debate with this Dutch politician who sucked. I Dude, hated him. That guy was trash. Yeah. At one point, he says, anarchy is a boy's dream. And it's just like, all right, dude. Oh, yeah. It can be a girl's dream or a non-binary yeah. dream, too. Yeah. Like it's, you. <laughs> well, it's not gender, the stream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you take from that um, exchange or anything from that debate with that guy? Anything? It, I think it really comes down to, I really think that guy was taking maybe him too literally. Like, he was taking Chomsky literally saying like there's no conspiracy sorry i'm doing a terrible dutch accent that's probably sorry to our dutch listeners (laughs) if we have any of those sorry yeah most of you are way cooler than this guy pretty much every one of you would have been cooler than this guy this guy super sucked but yeah he was just like (laughs) i think he he was taking the conspiracy thing too literally like no there's no cabal and like basically just like this isn't realistic you know Mm, yeah he was easily dismissed so i thought i thought so easily dismissed like so easily mm-hmm. torn apart that he had to be like chomsky is the intellectual bully he's <laughs> he's, he's building up a straw man of me and it's like nah dude that's just what you said <laughs> like, there was another guy i think this was actually a different there's so many just talking heads in this movie so it was hard to keep up with yeah at one point He's debating with Gnome and saying, we're on first-term basis, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Gnome hang out. We text. Um, and they're talking about, um, I guess, the Iron Contra, I think. And he's yeah. saying, like, um, you're not being fair. Like, they keep talking over each other. And he eventually says something to the effect of, these things yeah. didn't happen within the context. Like, he's basically saying, like, you're not telling yeah, everything. Sibley or somebody. That's just some uh, asshole. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, what possible context could explain, like, why we're murdering people? Like, yep. what the fuck are you talking about? And he was talking about fucking, you know, not directly necessarily, but like the whole Operation Condor style domination of the mm-hmm. Western Hemisphere thing. That's what he was talking about. And he's just like, oh, no, that never happened. And he's just like, you know, you're, you're giving a hog. Completely yeah, dismiss him. Yeah, and he just, you know, resorted to talking over. And, and you could tell, based on the clip, that was later in the interview, because Chomsky had had a fuck enough and was just like, no, I didn't interrupt you. Like, he, had, <laughs> he was just like, fuck you, I'm talking. There, Yeah, there were so many times where he had to be like, hey, can I finish the sentence? Can I finish the sentence? Oh, so yeah. it was upsetting. My other least favorite debater was the Southern-sounding guy. I'm going to make a face. Oh, no, no, like, no, he's, he's not Southern like at all. He's transatlantic, but go ahead. Oh, okay. I thought he was Southern. What was his name? William F. Buckley Jr. That guy sucked. That guy is a piece of shit. <laughs> like a 100%, a horrid little man. Fuck him. What did he do? I forgot. So William F. Buckley is this very conservative, like old school conservative style mm-hmm. guy. He ran this show called The Firing Line, which is what we saw him mm, in that okay. clip on. Um, from like maybe the late 60s, early 70s or something. 
to like the mid nineties. This was a long oh, wow. running show. Yeah. And it was in that format of he would just bring people on and talk to them either in a kind of congenial way if they're more conservative <laughs> or in like this asshole badgery way. If God, more he was liberal. so mean. And he would just do the thing where he would say, oh, you say that, um, yes, everyone bears the blame for whatever, but uh, then you want, to, you know, he he has this, uh, this, ingr- this horrible grating. He makes his mouth like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm showing, yeah. and this is not good for the podcast, but he has a weird mouth, is the point. <laughs> he, well, he's got very bucked teeth. So yeah, he's, he's, goes with Buckley. Together. Yeah. He's just a, a wretched little thing. He is. In the interview, he said, like, yeah, don't lose your temper with me or I'll fucking punch you, is what he tells <laughs> Chomsky. <laughs> Insane. Ugh, that guy fucking sucked. No, he's a piece of shit. Let me bring something up for you because you'll hate this. Okay, yeah, give me. There's this uh, interview he does with, it's, it's like a debate between him and Gore Vidal, who's okay. like kind of a leftist or liberal sort of figure. Uh, Buckley is debating this guy and he just gets pissed at him uh, because Vidal calls him a crypto Nazi. He gets pissed at getting called a crypto Nazi and he does listen and he slurs at the guy, you know, he's using a slur for gay people. Great. Great start. Says, stop calling me a crypto Nazi or I'll sock you in your goddamn face and you'll stay plastered. What the fuck? <laughs> so, like, this whole thing about, like, oh, I'll punch you in the face, Noam Chomsky. It's not just, like, an theme. isolated incident. That's just, like, what he does when he's pissed at people. This guy would love to punch someone in the face. I'd love to punch him in the face, honestly. Yeah, no, he's got a totally punchable face. And like, he really like, does. I would be, like, fucking bring it, bitch. Like, he's not, like, <laughs> physically intimidating. Anyway. No, he's not. He looks like I would steal his lunch money. <laughs> uh, derailing a little bit. but <laughs> Yeah, that guy sucked. Let's get to our next section which yeah. uh wow i was not expecting a holocaust denier story to show up in this documentary but uh it did <laughs> that guy was fucked up that guy was super fucked up i do they were talking yeah that guy messed up and okay uh boil it down chomsky wrote a defense of free speech basically mm-hmm. which actually he did this recently i think it was like last year that Harper's yeah, letter. He was, yeah, he was in that shit too. Yeah. Yeah. People gave him a lot of shit for that. And I mean, it just seems like the dude is the classic, like 100% free speech yeah. kind of guy. I think that's really the, the long and short of it. Is he breaks like, it down. Like, he talks to that student and he just kind of says, like, okay, you are either 100% free speech for everybody, mm-hmm. Nazi, Stalinist, whoever the fuck. Or you're not, or you want any sort of limitation on that, which makes you not for free speech. speech. It's one of the very few things there is a distinct binary for like, and he uses this phrase a few times, I think is like, he's going to defend their right to freedom of speech, but you can do that without endorsing the views. Like, do you kind of subscribe to that? Do you think that you're more or less? I think, I don't know. I've been thinking about this. There's a storyline on the latest season of Shrill where she covers um, she's like a journalist and she like covers this, this like white supremacy group, basically like a separatist group outside of Portland. And she gets like called racist for it. And the thing is she gave them a platform. And I think that's kind of where I stand. Mm. Like, yeah, you can fucking say it. But that doesn't mean I have to like it. That doesn't mean I have to publish it. That doesn't mean I have to 
give it any sort of attention a monetary value or anything like you can fucking say it in your basement you can go to your basement and say racial slurs if you want to and you can say it in public if you want to but people have a right to respond however the fuck they want to also that is also free speech well as far as that example goes like you're kind of i don't know people have the right to be like you're an asshole if you do a story on some white supremacist group and you're just like hey look at these guys aren't they weird you know yeah Instead of saying, hey, look at these guys, aren't they pieces of shit? Like, you know, people should be able to be like, you should have condemned them or something, you know. Yeah, I think she did in the story. I mean, like, it was a TV show, so I didn't yeah, read sure. the story. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 to me, I think there's a difference between saying like, yeah, you can say whatever the fuck you want and saying like, yeah, I can also respond however the fuck I want. Yeah, people should totally be able to condemn you. There's views. consequences. Now, I would also argue that since I do kind of want to democratize things right you know we Mm -hmm. want to pit the people in charge if the people decide you can't say that then i mean the people decided you can't say that that's true yeah if everyone's yeah if if we're in a true democracy and everyone votes like nope can no longer say that thing like sure or if you do we can respond by punishing you like Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe i mean then you gotta there's nuances like you can't be like yeah we all decide that you can't you know criticize the government okay but (laughs) that one's a bad one let's not do that (laughs) so there's yeah maybe there's not not that easily figured out. But Chomsky is very absolutist about it. And he just he says, is. like, free speech or nothing. Free speech or bust. Yeah. Hey, did we ever say what, what the controversy was in this one? I don't think we did. No. The controversy <laughs> was that this guy <laughs> wrote this book that was like, oh, maybe the Holocaust didn't happen. Maybe uh, there weren't, like, these gas chambers and all that. It was just Holocaust denialism bullshit. Yeah, it sucked. This was fucked up. He wrote... Yeah. Someone asked him, hey, will you write an article about free speech? And he's like, yeah, sure. And he did. And then the book was, this guy was like, I'm going to put this at the beginning of my book. <laughs> As my foreword, yeah. As and my foreword. Like, you wrote this foreword to this guy who's a piece of shit. And he's like, I, know, I mean, like, that guy is I, a piece of shit, but like I did, you know, also I wrote that foreword, but it wasn't like the foreword for the book. Like, yeah, it was like, just a statement. Oh, that's so annoying. Uh, and like, okay, but didn't he say, this is where I got a little lost in the weeds. Yeah. Didn't he say that, like, well, I didn't want to use that general one, so I rewrote it slightly? I don't remember the details there. I do remember the thing that, you know, stuck out to me is like, well, he is, you know, going to bat, I guess, is he said that, like, yeah, I, this guy does deserve civil rights. Yeah. He wrote some statement that was like, or signed a petition or something that was like, this guy deserves civil rights. Oh, yeah, yeah. He signed that petition with, like, a whole bunch of other people, but he got in trouble for it. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, I guess I agree with that. Like, don't just take him out in the street and yeah, shoot him. Yeah, don't kill him, I guess. But, but like, don't buy his book either. Yeah. That's <laughs> oh, not don't really publish mean. his book. I mean, publishing has been fucked for a while now. Hmm? But, like, yeah, you see all this, this rash of, like, ex-cops getting deals and shit <laughs> like that. All the Trump people getting deals. And it's yeah. like... Yeah, they have free speech, but, like, the publisher also could have just said no. Like, Well, I mean, you know, here's the thing. Publish whatever you want and uh, figure out ways to kind of covertly commit a little arson. Or, like, <laughs> you know, do fucking something to make people pay. Eh, just mean tweet about them, I guess, in today's world or something. I mean, Burn like, all their books. Yeah. just <laughs> Don't buy them. Just, just go Do something within the legal bounds, I guess. But, like, fucking... Make them pay for doing things that you don't like. Okay. Next. Basically, we get to this point where it's like, all right, man, you've told us about how this whole system is fucked. Seems pretty bad. Now what? <laughs> yeah. 
you get this lady. Uh, I really related to her. She's like, I'm just a mom and I just feel overwhelmed by the world and like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. oh man, I feel you. Um, and he, he gives kind of some tips, basically. One of, a, one of the tips I think is kind of the idea of maybe taking another look at our history, which that's a good one. We try to do that here. Mm-hmm. Taking down the great man view of history and also kind of deconstructing like the propaganda of the United States, like in our history, like he talks about like, hey, like this country's founded on genocide. And we basically just like didn't acknowledge that for 200 years. So like, that'd be a good start. Yeah. (laughs) So that's kind of the first point is like, hey, take a look at history. Yeah. The second point, I would say he calls it intellectual self-defense, which is a cool term. A black belt in intellectual (laughs) self-defense. That's the only kind of self-defense I can do. I am very physically weak. (laughs) The great man view is great. In terms of, he, he talks about, oh, yeah, there's some leaders and stuff, and, and, and people might say, oh, no, I'm Chomsky, whatever. Like, okay, you know, people said, oh, you know, here comes along Martin Luther King, so then the civil rights happened because this one guy had this great idea. And it's something we saw in Engels' Socialism, Scientific, and Utopian, as he talks about, like, hey, you know, if the great man theory of history is true, basically, then we were sitting, you know, all sitting around being assholes until <laughs> somebody came up and be like, hey, what if we do this? You know, like, that's obviously... <laughs> not what it was like processes happen and that's kind of what Chomsky is saying in this you know kind of Marxian for him analysis of it is social forces happen and so many people had to do things to where there could be a Martin Luther King figure I loved I loved when he said that like yeah the reason you know these names is because other people stood with them like that's cool and I think the alternative media thing kind of is sort of happening organically in our world with Twitter, Reddit, mm-hmm. people are able to follow shittier versions of <laughs> uh, of the mainstream media, but also better versions of it. Like you know, I think it's better in some ways because you can you can find what you're looking for. You know, just find a podcast that you agree with <laughs> or whatever, like us, like yeah. us. But it's also shittier because at the end of the day, these are all still controlled by big tech, and like that's bad. Like you see it now, the internet is like cracking down even further on not safe for work content mm. which always 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 comes for queer people like mm, okay. <laughs> just being queer is apparently very sexy and dangerous yeah. which you know i'm not gonna lie it is <laughs> but like when that happens they get taken off platforms too like that happened with tumblr a while back and that was a big deal and now Twitter's gonna kind of do the same thing it looks like yeah so at the end of the day, like, yeah, you get this kind of, you know, quote unquote, free media and like you're getting the news on the ground. And that's great. And that has led us to things like, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. Like we have fucking video now. We can see these things. But you're still relying on big corporations to decide what does get censored. And like that can go hard the other way, too. Of Like, yeah, I don't want to see fucking HN out here. But like, yeah, that's true. Better, I guess, for it to be in the hands of the people. Yeah. It goes up the chain and it's in the hands of a corporation again. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, yeah, those things want to make money. And like, there's this fallacy of like, oh, you can just go to another platform. It's like, eventually, like, especially (laughs) with Apple, their standards for like, you can't have anything not safe for work on there are so extreme that like, eventually, that's just not going to be an option. (laughs) You know, like they they distribute everything. Mm -hmm. Oh, I have just kind of an aside. Yeah. I really liked when that one lady at the mic was like, when can we feel pride again in the United States? 
<laughs> and he was just like, never. I really felt for her. She really, she, she meant that question earnestly. And she did. He was just like, if you mean the government, no. I, he said it. He said states are violent structures, and I have a hand clap emoji in my notes. You're an anarchist. <laughs> Speaking of which, that's our next topic here. Yeah. So he called himself a libertarian anarchist? Yeah. Gosh, it's hard for me because I, I still naturally recoil at libertarian as a term. Oh, yeah, that means but he that seems makes cool. you think of fedoras and neckbeards. But mm-hmm. what he means is this um, kind of, he explicitly says, anarcho syndicalism. Mm, but he's yes, kind yes. of meaning kind of anarcho communism or uh, anarchist socialism sort of stripe, that whole yeah. area. Yeah, and uh, in the documentary, some people ask, like, you can tell this guy thought he totally fucking got him because he's like, what would you do besides capitalism? Mm. (laughs) And someone else asks, like, are there any sustained examples of Mm -hmm. of anarchism? And it's like, where have I fucking heard that before? Spain during the Spanish Civil War. (laughs) Our best friends. (laughs) God. Can you just go ahead and start researching that, bud? Yeah, I will. Okay. (laughs) It's summer. You don't have an excuse. Get to work. Um, he talks about the Israeli kibbutzim. I hadn't heard of them. Yeah, the kibbutzim. Those are kind of like these, I mean, they're communes. They're, you know, mm. communal kind of agricultural communities. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Uh, Chomsky, I think in the documentary, describes himself as having been brought up in kind of this socialist Zionist community. Yeah, that was interesting. In further reading, I was looking at this because I was like, well, okay, today when you, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm just like, fuck, yeah, <laughs> fuck right. Zionism, right? And he says, well, that was a very different thing then, and mm-hmm. now it's kind of considered like anti-Zionism, what oh. I was then. Interesting. Because he was saying like that, that was, you know, his, his idea of that, you know, he liked these kibbutzim, he liked the kind of cooperation between them and the Arab population there. He wanted mm-hmm. to build kind of a, bi, you know, a, a two-state which I think now maybe we're at the one state solution really of yeah. just like make the whole thing a democratic socialist sort of state. That'd be great. There shouldn't be any ethno states, but no, that'd be bad. I mean like what other state is just like we're a state for like white people. Yeah. No one yeah. does that. I mean, we um, do it secretly, but like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, he was kind of saying, you know, we were like working with like, in collaboration with people like, you know, that's what, that's what we believed in was being like, pro-Arab and like all this sort of stuff. And so that, I guess that's why he says like it's basically anti-Zionist there. It's like mm-hmm. trying to get everyone included in this kind of democratic project. That's what he yeah. was on board with those with the kibbutzim. What I liked about his anarchist views, which mm-hmm. I think is what I like about communism in general, is somebody asks kind of the nature of man question. It's like classic question. Yeah. And his answer was really good because he said... It depends, yes, on on people's human nature changing over time, but it will also create it. And I love that. That's really cool. What do you mean? I mean, like, it'll create it, like, it it will encourage that to change. Like, as this is happening, more people will say, like, oh, I don't, like, have to hoard my shit because I'm going to have enough to survive. Like, it's like a feedback loop kind of thing of, like, People going into it for Gen 1 will realize that over time, and then their kids will be like, that's just the way it is. Everyone has things, and it's nice. Yeah, that's our classic, the boot is wet 
theory. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. Because we're going to change the conditions, change the material conditions, and you'll get different people. T-shirts, imperialism sucks, and then just a picture of a wet boot with no explanation. <laughs> no, just no <laughs> other text at all. Yes, I'll, I'll get on designing those right away. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, and there was... there. There were inklings of this in the Soviet Union. They had this concept of the new Soviet man, or to translate it more accurately mm-hmm. in the 21st century, the new Soviet person, mm-hmm. is that someone would be, you know, the, the conditions would be such under the worker's state that people would be breaking free of their old greed, of their old, you know, competitiveness, cutthroatedness, selfishness, whatever you want to phrase it as they would they would be moving past that past the old animal survival mode yeah into this communal mode of 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 self-fulfillment of helping each other fulfill each other's self and you yeah and 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 working together to do that to watch each other's backs rather than to Mm -hmm. just get your own sort of thing all right can we talk about how fucking weird this movie was? Because <laughs> <laughs> we put this together for you in a nice... Orderly fashion. Cognitively yeah, ordered. <laughs> it was pretty well sequential. That's not how it was presented. Oh my God, no. This, the production value here was insane. Not like in a, it was top of the line shit. It was very not. <laughs> it, it just, it was very kitschy is how I would describe this movie. Is like... Yeah. They they love a metaphor. Like at the beginning, they literally show a factory and it's like, get it? It's it's manufacturing. Manufacturing content. content. And they do like a kind of an industrial sound of Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. And like they whenever he's debating the Dutch guy, they have like a boxing scene. And we talked about the surgery scene. Oh, they like do they, some they of the love on a the visual metaphor. Thing. Yeah. They really hammer it. Yeah. And it's it's kind of funny and I'm like it's interesting like I I've never seen a documentary quite like it. I'll t- I'll say that. It's different. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Um some of them were hit or miss. I thought sometimes this was not well done. Mm-hmm. Generally whenever and this is just kind of I think it's me not really understanding or maybe appreciating the documentary genre. Yeah. Um is that I kind of cringe or don't really like when there's any sort of insertion of the camera or the crew of the filmmakers. Oh, I don't care about that. Which <laughs> I People, you know, it's good. It's like, oh well, here's the you know, it's a real mm-hmm. I don't know, it has some sort of angle to it that people like i don't like you don't it. Like i want it, it to be presented as like you know a, product a, a very clean polished history channel sort of style of like yeah i that's what i was missing i think is maybe a narrator like that they just didn't have one it was just like they maybe a few points they did yeah very few very few though it was mostly it was most of the i would say 90 maybe 80 percent of the footage was interviews it felt like we we're just going on its book tour with him <laughs> it was it was kind of a recording of a of a tour by him mm-hmm. basically yeah it was like live tapes <laughs> the bootleg chomsky tapes <laughs> yes uh, fuck yes he's selling t-shirts out there <laughs> there was oh one of them that was particularly kitschy slash annoying to me was the one about if we were talking about the you want to get elites to your advertising thing, but they were mm. showing this like astronaut 
falling to yes, earth. Yes, the spinning. Yes. I had to look away. Like it made me. It was no good. It didn't vomit. do anything. So few a few techniques to refine. I will say, I think what made this suffer a little bit. I talked about mm-hmm. the lack of narrator. I think Gnome is really cool and smart. I don't think he has a great speaking style. Like I had to really listen mm-hmm. to pay attention. Like I had to be like, okay. <laughs> like he just he doesn't have much of a cadence. He kind of just talks. No, yeah, he's very much a. An old school professor in that way is like he knows a lot of shit mm-hmm. and his, you know, the university that lets him keep studying that shit told him you have to teach these people. And he's like, oh, fuck, <laughs> fuck, you know, he's not a teaching. I don't think he's a teaching professor in like specialty, you know, it's just very monotone. And I think that the kind of focus on his public appearances was also a little detrimental. I, I, I think I read this that like. Chomsky actually had this criticism of like that the New York Times review of his of this documentary kind of framed it as like that people had this idea that he's somebody to like pay attention to like this is an awareness film like, hey go check out Noam Chomsky and like a self like, aggrandizing thing yeah and he's like I'm not leading a movement like don't fucking do that like go do you yeah know. and he kind of talks about his call to action like pay attention to media and like Mm-hmm. take fucking collective action but like the documentary i don't think hammers that home enough yes and so you come away with like who's noam chomsky i like him like yeah i agree i i think i think again the interview and speaking like event format just it just kind of hurt it like i feel like we could have made all these points like let's just have an extended interview with him oh yeah let's do you know narration over photos instead like he could speak to these things. Mm-hmm. Like, I I just don't know why that choice was made. I thought that was weird. Yeah. I, some parts, it was cool. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think that's a good element. I just think it was, like, way too much of the film. <laughs> um, the soundtrack bopped. <laughs> <laughs> jazz, you like that shit? Oh, I love that shit. It was so weird. It was like Seinfeld, man. <laughs> it was very Seinfeld. <laughs> Two more random notes. At one point, they do like a newsreel video of like, what's journalism? Yes. And I'm like, is this video for fucking aliens? Like, <laughs> here's what the news is. I thought <laughs> that was really funny. Kind of good because it was so like, it, it almost was a little bit alien because it was like, here's what the news is to the like kind of New Deal press. Like, mm-hmm. so long ago, this is the ideal. Yeah, and that's, it had to be, you know, the ideal yeah. kind of conception of what press could be, you know, the fourth estate sort of thing. Yeah. Final note I have is Nim Chimsky, guys. He's got a <laughs> monkey named after him. Nim Chimsky, dumbass, can't talk. <laughs> I tried to teach this monkey to talk for four years. I love how the and... lady gets on there and is like, we gave him every time. <laughs> <laughs> so she trash talked this chimp. She, she was like, absolutely did. This I told this chimp every motherfucking thing I could, and this bitch could not talk. <laughs> It's like he just asks for things. He doesn't actually conversate. I'm like, man, that's a mood. <laughs> to be fair, that's how they say chimps are. Is like they're like humans without any sort of conscience. Like mm. they are just the id distilled. I was you gonna know? say id, yeah. Yeah, they're just <laughs> horny, <laughs> hungry. That's it. Right? Yeah, they just and and they'll you know enslave you or whatever. They'll do whatever they need to do to get to get what they want done. <laughs> uh, Damn chimps. So chimps, chimps are real maybe, fascists. Yeah, they're not like who we want to study for our <laughs> human nature. 
yeah, final thoughts on this. Um, one thing I really like they kind of ended on is they, they ask him like, hey, this sounds exhausting. How do you do it? You know, basically, like, how do you not get burnt out reading yeah. all this shit? And he's like, can you afford not to? <laughs> and I'm like, damn, dude. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do think it's a very good film in terms of sowing enough, like, skepticism. Sc- yes. Sowing enough, like, you know, aren't you fucking pissed about this? To get people to say, you know, this is fucked up. What else is fucked up? I shouldn't believe what people are telling me sort of thing. Getting people to, like, start taking the steps necessary to eventually get to. Because I watched this way before mm-hmm. I was, like, really on the <laughs> on the true leftist path, you know. like, <laughs> And it kind of gets you thinking, like, in terms of systems, in terms of power, in terms of who's trying to get me to do what, that you can kind of start opening your eyes and, and asking even bigger questions. Yeah. This kind of fascinates me at one point, the New York times guy, this poor guy, we shit on him so much. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He says like, well, this right wing guy agrees with, with Chomsky. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, clearly he's crazy. And it's like, they're not wrong. Like there's so many times I look at the right wing and I'm like, you're racist and terrible, but you're not wrong. You're just wrong in the way you, you're wrong in a specific way, but your Mm -hmm. general grievances are correct. It's not because they're biased against you. I mean, they are, but like, who cares? It's that the whole system is bad. Like it's, there's always a nugget in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And Chomsky at some point says this democratic and Republican party, they're both like kind of in this whole sort of defense of, the kind of neoliberal establishment sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The guy we're shitting on, by the way, is Carl E. Meyer, editorial writer for the <laughs> oh, New York yeah. Times. I guess Poor sucked. bastard, editorial writer. Like, those guys are just, I mean, like, anybody can get an editorial column in the New York Times now. <laughs> but he, he had to be on this documentary. But it's, you remember, I think you were telling me about this, about the QAnon documentary. Yes, yes like they're... They're kind of right. They're like, oh, there's a conspiracy. And you're like, yeah. Yep. Oh, it's about bloodletting and raping children. You're like, wait, wait, no. Yeah. Or like, you know, <laughs> oh, the elites are fucked up. You're damn right. They're, you're they're right. completely fucked up. You know, they're, they don't want us to do, you know, they don't want us to find out about what they're doing. They want to keep power for them. Yes, of course. Yes. Nod, nod, nod. Yes. They, you know, are sucking adrenochrome or whatever. And you're okay. like, mm, hold on. Right. <laughs> Almost. Almost had me there. That's the reason that conspiracy theories appeal to people is they offer the secret explanation of things. And, 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 you know, like, I mean, okay, communism kind of does that. I mean, it does in a way, like, mm-hmm. give you this, like, lens to view the world through and stuff. It just happens to be true. <laughs> On that note, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, do you want to do a star rating? My star rating is four out of five. It's not, I mean, it's not like, you know, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's not the text for us of course mm-hmm. listeners you're probably like eh, this, this was like i i watched this and i got it fine yeah you know? or you got a little bit from it whatever it's i think it's a good recruiting tool and maybe that's because yeah. i watched it long ago and i thought it kind of drove me in my direction but i mm-hmm. think it's a good i think it's good to like expose people to it's weird it's weird. like it's it's kind of like kitschy in a in a kind of you know old school 
retro kind of way. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it's older, I think, explains a lot of that. You can be like, look, guys, they were trying some shit. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's good to get yeah. people questioning and then like mm-hmm. looking into things. And then you could, I mean, because if you just sit there and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The East Timor thing. They're not fucking lying. That actually happened. You will blow somebody's fucking mind because so many people don't know about that thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know about East Timor until like we got drunk and talked about Noam Chomsky. I had never heard of this country. Yeah. <laughs> I heard about it initially. You want to know how I first heard about East Timor was from a Rainbow Six game that I rented when I was a kid (laughs) playing on like N64 or something. Hell yeah. That's how I first heard about East Timor at all. Oh my gosh. Some sort of, you know, some sort of fucking propaganda campaign from the CIA. Yeah, you were probably shooting some some communists. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) but that's how I first heard the name of it at all. Oh, wow. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I think I give it a, I'm going to say a 3.5. Yeah. I love the message. I don't love the delivery. The kitsch stuff I could have dealt with, but I think, again, I think it's the relying on interviews and speeches. It just, it felt yeah. like a fucking press tour. <laughs> and honestly, I probably will revise down to 3.5. Ooh. Because you're right that the sequence lends itself more to somebody who knows about, Noam Chomsky knows about, anarchism leftism at all Mm -hmm. a more experienced hand it's really easy to follow if you know a little bit about it if you don't know Mm -hmm. anything maybe it's harder i don't know i don't think he he doesn't really get explicit about that stuff till later yeah you know when they say like oh what do you think we should do instead so i I don't feel like he doesn't like make a hard push for leftist stuff he's just like hey this is fucked up and you're like yeah it's pretty fucked up like i don't know i didn't think it was too hard all right i'm keeping my four then Okay, keep your four. That's fine. We can disagree. I'm a generous grader, as my students will attest. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to all the people doing hard work in student radio, in public radio. All these people doing the interviews with them, like, I don't know if they're still doing their work or whatever, but like, and the magazines and stuff, everyone seemed to be really like fucking working hard, trying to pump out this shit for the people, like. Yeah, like that is a thankless job. Like literally, like you're not going to make any money from it. All right. Next week, we're doing a listener Q&A. Hell yeah. Unless you send us the best question ever, we're probably going to get to it in the next Q&A. Because <laughs> we got a lot built up already. We do. We have quite the backlog. I got to go through my screenshots <laughs> and my emails. So. Yeah. Yes, but patience is a virtue. So like send those in. We'll get yes. to them eventually. That's like, you know, we're getting to the eventual ones from before this time. That's true. So send keep, them in. Keep sending them. I love you know, it. Knock and the door will be answered. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Yeah. So in the meantime, you can find us online. Um, we are on Twitter at Teach Communism. We are on Instagram at Teach Me Communism. We are on Gmail, Teach Me Communism at gmail.com if you want to send us one of those beautiful questions. You can do that really anywhere. Um, I try to answer social media questions. If it's an easy enough one that I can just answer, sometimes I will just do that or I'll just refer you to an episode. So like, just message me. It's cool. If it's complex and it's like, hey, in these early episodes, you didn't Wikipedia link everything. Can you do that? It'll take some time. Like <laughs> It will. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah, we had someone message us like, I'm writing a paper. Can you like Give me some sources. And I was like, yeah, sure. Okay, let me let me bug Grady about this. <laughs> and I did it <laughs> I like can't. a chump. So uh, I have like one eighth of your college degree, whatever you get it in. Just 
just <laughs> yeah. credit me or if you credit. give a speech, you know, thank me for it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're chumps. We will yeah. we will dance for you. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, but you have to dance for us by leaving us a review on Apple yes. Podcasts. Please do. This is a symbiotic relationship. For at least one of us. I have not read those in <laughs> maybe three quarters of a uh, like oh nine my God, months. I, I check them like at least once a week. I'm I, a monster. No, I haven't for a long time. So if you guys are talking shit about me on there, that's honestly fine. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, okay. Now, now that we know this info, everyone only compliment me on there because <laughs> I'm the only one that's going to read it. So yeah, I'll, okay. I'll go on there eventually and be horrified at whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, leave us a review there. You don't have to be an Apple user to do it. It's great. Rate and review. We also have a YouTube if that's how you want to listen to things or if you know someone that's the only way they listen to podcasts, send them that way. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash teachmecommunism. For $5 a month, you get access to our notes for every episode. So this episode, you'll get both of our notes on this movie. And at the end of the year, those funds will go to a local mutual aid fund. So yeah, Yeah. not line in our pockets. Yeah, or the local Soviet, whichever happens first. Yes, yes, yes. If you want to do that, let me know. This has been a long recording sesh, so really like has. I'm ready to go chill. Well, thanks for watching this documentary with me. Yeah, it's very good. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, you guys can catch us next week on the next episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye. Goodbye.